3: no place to escape to this is the last on the left
2: (laughs) that's when the cannibalism started
1: Hey, uh, dog meat, Uh, Kissel. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, yeah. I know we're not supposed to be making a lot of decisions like on our own in terms of like
4: CEOs of the company. Sure, it's a triangle of trust. (laughs) You remember when we talked about the triangle of trust, right? I remember.
1: I remember the drawing of it. It was a (laughs) triangle. I really appreciate it with the H, the B, and the M Mm -hmm. on either corners. And then you showed me how you flip it, right? And you turn it, and how like you know, there's no necessarily a top to a triangle, especially if you're. Upside down. Absolutely. don't understand what that means, <laughs> but I want to say I want to go ahead and listen. This is my boy Muji. Yeah, um, I met him. I just met him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And he showed me a bunch of flowers from the sky. This is my this is my boy now. He's on the payroll. Okay. And this is Babula. Babula's thirteen years old. And now my thing is, is that you may say, "Yeah, Babula can't. Be, he can't necessarily be working legally for the company," which is why I'm not saying like he necessarily needs to be working legally, quote unquote, for the company. Well, I see you uh,
4: winking and doing air quotes, but we are definitely recording this. He is
1: not legally, quote unquote, wink, 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 wink. But Babula here, he's doing great work. His main function is to absorb bullets that are coming at me. Um, but, and if you got a problem with his age, I do have a
4: small problem. Also, Henry, who is shooting at
1: you? A, <laughs> a lot of people have come for me to come from the hot seat. If you're coming at the King, you cannot miss I'm telling that to people. I told it to my mailman. That's um, great. I had a mask on and no other clothes. But I just gonna let you know if you got a problem with the it's because you're dealing with shadows and not reality.
4: All right. I have no idea what that means. We're gonna explain all that shit. I love it. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome to the last podcast on the left. I am Ben with Marcus. Hi. And then we have the, I guess, newly secured Henry Zabrowski willing to sacrifice the life of a child in order to save your own. Whatever existence you have over there.
1: Babula loves his internship, and he loves the little room I keep him in. This and is Mugi horrible. Muji has been taking me up the mountain. That's his main job. I call him a human elevator. And do you love it, Mooji? Uh. Don't speak, Mooji. <laughs>
4: You see Muji, right? Of course I do. <laughs> You're not losing your mind at all. The Henry Zabrowski Sherpa, the position will probably be open fairly soon because I'm assuming he will quit <laughs> as soon as you've had three bottles of whiskey and start screaming at him to change your underwear for some reason.
1: Uh, I can't be changing my own underwear. I have to be deciphering several invisible documents in front of me <laughs> to understand how hard it is to see documents. I understand where HPB comes from. And why, how many people were fucking dogging her all the time? Oh, I want proof. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to fake read stuff? Have you ever taken a pantomime class? Uh, no, I believe You gotta that... move the eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but, no, but you're not reading anything. Yes, I've definitely yep. done that in school when there was a tangible book in front of me, but- uh... It's about fake reading, faking it till you make it. And once again, thank you, Cliff, for your notes. Cliff Notes. (laughs) All right. Let's get on to Madam Blavatsky. Cliff's not a guy. No, he's not a guy. guy. No, Cliff is a guy. It was Cliff Notes. Anyway. All right. Let's get on to Madam Blavatsky. Part three and the final chapter. Mm Mm-hmm. So when we
0: last left Madame Blavatsky, she had just gained American citizenship and was on her way to India, where she would establish herself as both one of the finest occult minds of the late 19th century, and at the same time, one of its biggest frauds.
1: It's kind of funny how it goes hand in hand a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now sometimes, Madame Blavatsky's powers would be backed up by multiple witnesses, but for the most part... Whether you believe she had powers or not depends on if you believe her number one guy, Henry Steele Alcott or the madam herself. Hmm. So we got to take the cuck's word for it.
1: (laughs) Well, Henry Steele Alcott, you'd call him a cuck. I call him a liberated sub. His job was he was so excited that he got to leave his family. He's got the big, long beard. He's got the tiny glasses. And I think a part of it, a lot I want to say, a part of what's to blame here is those 1880s. Tiny glasses. Mm, right. It's the little circle ones that came back in the nineteen nineties with uh Matrix. Yes. All the tiny
4: little the little circles, how you see and shit. <laughs> well, I think the point is you gotta stay focused on the truth. Oh yeah.
0: But although we definitely believe Madame Blavatsky committed some pretty serious fraud. We also believe that there was something special about old HPB in the occult sense.
4: The old horse has got some magic left in her. <laughs> By serious fraud, do you think she was just kind of frowning? <laughs> not not smiling when doing it?
0: No, I mean serious fraud is in she was telling people she was doing one thing when in fact she was doing something very different. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Like well Babula,
1: I ask him to massage my feet and he goes out and he's like, Uh, where do I get all these oils? And I was like, The refrigerator, Babula.
4: That's <laughs> mayonnaise, Henry. Yep. It's mayonnaise. Keeps him salt. <laughs> The You're fact. like Burt Reynolds in Strip nah. Is it Strip or the strip-tees, other one? I always, miss those. I always mess strip-tees. those two up. Like
1: sque- sque- the, the one with Elizabeth
4: Berkeley or Demi Moore, I can't tell. You're slowly turning into Fred Willard. I, oh, RIP. <laughs> did he pass away? He did. He did recently. His spirit has gone into you. I'm not, I've been Fred Willard for a long time. His best in show performance has been my comedic spirit animal for a long time.
0: Well, the fact remains that Blavatsky's most influential work came after her most public humiliations, although the influence of that work is both very good and extraordinarily bad. Hmm. Mm.
1: I'll take half of one and half of the other. (laughs) I guess.
0: (laughs) Now, part of the reason why HPB chose India in particular was that she was becoming obsessed with meeting Master Moria, and she began to think that it was imperative that they meet in person. Or so she said... Perhaps a better reason for going to India was that an article called Lights and Shadows of Spiritualism had just been published in which Blavatsky and Alcott were publicly and embarrassingly reamed as charlatans.
4: Why? Obviously, India seems like a spiritual place. Very much so. You know, and so did they just straight up be like, yo, people of this ilk have no idea what they're talking about?
1: You know, that's a very good question because I I don't know. I think it's. Spiritualism, I, I I don't know fully about the history of it. I want to get more deep. I want to go deeper and deeper. Deeper into and, deeper. and stop, stop it! And it seemed to have a. a cl- <laughs> 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 Just stop Just it! Stop stop it. God damn it! doesn't <laughs> stop. It <Just> doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> but spiritualism was both highly entertaining and extremely divisive, right? People were r- both really into it, and people thought it would help people, and then other people thought that it was, what it, as it seemed to be, a haven of charlatans and liars right. and so when hbb decided to sully the purity of her original occult vision by going into spiritualism and trying to hook people that way i think she accidentally caught herself up in a bargain that she she didn't understand that she was gonna have to pay as well right ah. she you basically you set up a scenario she wanted the exposure that spiritualism would give her message. But then when the backlash came of people like, okay, well, now we're now we're looking at it, and we're going to take a look at every single thing that you do, and we want proof, she found that it didn't really hold up to the spotlight. So HPB right.
4: ended up getting punished
0: for her PR move.
4: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Unlike Flex Seal, which really does work. <laughs> well, wow. The
0: other thing is that HPB also had... Uh, Theosophists in India, people in Bombay, like they were all, she had adherents, she had people in Bombay saying like, yeah, New York City sounds like a fucking drag, why don't you come to Bombay, things are pretty fucking cool here and we'll take care of you. Okay. And, owing to a decline in her health due to a bad case of dropsy, which is today called edema, Blavatsky was not necessarily looking forward to another 19th century New York City winner. Like, you think winters are bad in New York City now. Imagine it in 1875.
4: Yeah, keep those cars running. Keep that gas coming. We got to get this place heated up.
1: I burn pure coal. And I don't do it to run anything. I do it because I like the smell. Welcome to New York. The New York Island. Like what they used to call it. But HBB's feet were slowly but surely turning into stools. She was melting. Her head was slowly, and all of the meat, from her breast to her butt meat was sliding down and becoming ankle insulation, mm-hmm. which was not good for walking around getting on a trolley or <laughs> and, and I don't know what else to happened in eighteen eighties New York of Avo- all it's like avoiding newsies. Yeah, no, I agree. It sounds very
4: uncomfortable.
0: But she did also right before she went to India, she dropped about a hundred pounds.
4: Hey, all right, yeah. the subway diet, huh? <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> what
0: apparently what she would do is uh, she would have a glass of water before each meal, ten minutes before each meal. She would hold her hand over the top of the water, she would stare at it intently, then open up her throat and drink the whole water da- drink the whole glass down in one gulp. And I, she said that's how she went from about two fifty to one fifty by the time she
4: went to India. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at a glass of water and been like Okay, just imagine it's pre- pure lard. Imagine it's <laughs> yeah, pure right, lard. Yeah. I it's call it down, and then boom, I'm full as hell.
1: Is it magical thinking, or is it an eating disorder? I don't know. <laughs>
0: well, off to India, Madame Blavatsky went. Yay! To the only place where she believed she could re- rehabilitate her reputation. She was also a bit of
1: an Indian Rachel Dolezal.
0: Right? <laughs> she, her thing was, we're going to go and just be
1: in there and wear a serapi. And a couple of sandals, like, she was just going to, like, be Indian, which uh, (laughs) doesn't seem to play. No, no. No. No.
0: Now, Alcott was a little iffy on picking up his whole life and moving to India, because he did, after all, still have kids and an ex-wife in New York City. He didn't abandon them completely uh, until he went to India and abandoned them completely. Ah, yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But according to Alcott, he got a full-on visit from a master in the form of an Asian man with a long black beard wearing a yellow turban. Now, from the way Alcott describes it, a visit from a master sounds like a visit to the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks. Very surreal and dreamlike.
1: Cool. He said he sat in the room, and and it felt like that. Yep, yep, yep. Whoa. Speaking in backwards, the guy like walked in backwards, but like moving forwards, you know, that type of weird movement into the room. And like, We are not, we are not, young old god. And then go up to him, and he said, The only thing he remembered, he's like, he's staring at this man, and then he touched his hair, and he went and he had this like weird little experience. And then essentially, the master went wink and went. It disappeared, <laughs> and caught just like, "What
4: the fuck, man? India's fucking wild!" Dude. Hell yeah, that's awesome.
0: Well, how Gary Lockman describes it is kind of like how people describe encounters with Men in Black today. Mm. It's that same sort of otherworldly feeling, like the, but like you're talking to a person who appears to be human, but also doesn't seem to be all that human, very ah. uncanny.
4: We- Speaking yes. in
1: riddles, like. Mouth mouth is moving outside of the words and highly mysterious. Yeah, yes. I fucking love it. High it's, strangeness.
4: It's like when you're on the phone with customer service and you know they're talking, but you also don't believe they care about you at all.
1: <laughs> That's more of a spiritual
0: disappointment
1: in <laughs> capitalism. Well,
0: apparently Alcott had already been visited by another master at this point, a guy named Utan Liato. But this master... The Asian man in the turban He told Alcott That he was doing great work For the good of mankind And Blavatsky needed his assistance Wherever she were to go Okay Alcott He was kind of thinking Like Maybe this is just some guy That Blavatsky slipped five bucks to And said Go tell that asshole To go to India with me
4: (laughs) (laughs) You just cut to them And all of a sudden Madame Blavatsky Has like a turban Fall out of her (laughs) purse And like a fake mustache (laughs) And a fake beard And he's just like What's that?
1: This is my question Is it fraud? To be a producer. Because that's all that is. <laughs> I'm with it's you. Just being a producer.
0: You're just trying to get people onto the job. Yeah. But according to Alcott, as Henry <laughs> said, the visitor undid his turban, handed it over, and vanished into thin air. And again, <gasps> this is if you believe Alcott. That's cool.
4: Why? You know what?
0: I'll believe it. Well, it's actually somewhat hard to tell if Alcott is actually telling the truth or if he was just trying to prop up HPB. Because no matter what transpired between the two of them later... Olcott remained a committed theosophist, and theosophy did not exist without HPB wow i I am this is a call to occultists to call me
1: wrong i I would love to to see proof if it, if it was wrong, but Olcott seemed like he was a true believer from what I was reading, he seemed like that's why where he ended up the end of the the fallout between Olcott and HBB came from was that he truly viewed her as an infallible. Like, he thought that she was the real deal. So I feel like these are instances where he saw weird shit and can't fully explain it. Like, this Mm. was what he essentially was looking for because he did need a kick to go to India because, oh, he's fucking these wife and kids are all like, you're legally supposed to take care of me. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> All these people around, you need that type of boost to go. And it just seems like, as it always does, she's always got that fadeaway. hbb has got the fadeaway, at the buzzer, every single time somebody is about to bail on her.
0: And so, working with Theosophy Society co-founder William Judge... Alcott was able to get a personal recommendation from President Rutherford B. Hayes. What? Oh. <laughs> and, R- Al- and Alcott was allowed to travel to India under the ruse that he was a U.S. trade representative. These were
4: people oh, in cool. high places. They had Dude. a
0: fucking line to President Hayes.
4: Well, Rutherford B. Hayes... Rutherford Hayes? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> believe he of, he's like, spent
4: most the of his flu? day trying to get all of the sardines out the smell out of his mustache (laughs) no henry you're
0: you're thinking about william henry harrison he died in 30 days was i yes did
1: rutherford b hayes he's the president got hit by a
0: train (laughs) you're thinking (laughs) of james garfield he got killed while getting off a train Yep. i was (laughs) i think rutherford b hayes you might be thinking of him he might have been one of the first presidents to do a whistle stop tour i'm not sure Nope, didn't know that.
4: (laughs) I have no freaking clue who these people are. Now, I'm not
0: sure what sort of traveling companion Madame Helena Blavatsky was when she was traipsing around the world as a younger woman. Sure. But when she was in her 50s and suffering from dropsy, she was, quote, unanimously voted a nuisance by everyone else on the ship to India. Loud and difficult.
4: Uh, who's collecting the votes?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly,
4: like,
1: I got, the same thing happened to me and when I was a senior in high school. <laughs> and then every day with my family. Yeah.
0: So once they arrived in Bombay, they met with their advance contact, a man named Mulji Thackersley. And he was working with an adept named Chand Chintamon, who was a member of the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor.
1: Just okay. making up fucking names, man.
0: Yeah, they, they, those are just Indian... Those are the names of Indian men. Oh, my God.
1: I didn't <laughs> know hurry, I mean, I love Hari-Chun. I think it's a very fun name. It just sounds very magical. Yeah. These guys are a part of the real Hermetic Brotherhood of Lexor because this is the group... Remember, the Hermetic Brotherhood of Lexor didn't exist. Right. It was right. made up for a bunch of fake, like, occult glossaries back in the day. So these guys just took the name and said, yeah... We're a part of that super ancient society, and yeah, I'm definitely Indian. I'm from Bombay, New Jersey. Hey, that'll count.
4: That counts. They were Indian. I'm saying I'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) they were all Indian that was the whole point is that they were all from New Jersey were they from New Jersey
0: no they were not from New Jersey they were from Bombay because that was the whole thing Ah. is that like Madame Blavatsky her first adherents in India were Indian yes
1: oh yeah no she was she this is what was super weird kind of like she had spent some time in India But these dudes started coming out of the woodwork saying, being like, HPB, what's up? And she would just like fucking give them high fives. (laughs) Like, how the
0: fuck do you know of Of course. Now, even though her book, Isis Unveiled, had sold well, she and Alcott were traveling on what you might call a budget. Mm. And they requested modest lodgings with a minimum number of servants from their hosts.
4: I mean, these are rich people who. A minimal number of servants is a strange (laughs) request to be like, oh, we're on a budget. I mean, no servants.
0: They were being paid. The servants were being paid, but it was like assistance.
4: Right. Right. You know, like you guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, like that. Just as people have assistants today, like it's we just say assistants now. It's servants. It's the same goddamn thing.
4: Sometimes I call uh, hunks moving junk just to just to get them on the phone <laughs> and just be like, "Come <laughs> over here," and then they're like, "You're you're not moving anywhere." I'm like, no, no. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs>
0: Now, one source says that Hari Chand provided them with lodging in his own home, while the other source says that Hari Chund rented an expensive vacation bungalow for his new guests. Hmm. Both, however, say that on their second night in India, Hari Chand hosted an extravagant reception <gasps> with over 300 guests to celebrate both their arrival and Mahashivaratri, also known as Shiva's Night. Damn. And Bl- Blavatsky and alcott they didn't ask for any of this shit.
1: No, they just arrived and but HPB, she enjoyed it. She right. She showed up. Yes. It's like, see how important I am? See the powers that I have? People come. Parties are thrown just for my very presence. Look at look at all of these people all saying I am a teacher. They're I'm they're here to learn from me.
0: And then Hari Chun gave them the bill.
1: Yeah. Oh, What? <laughs> what? Oh, my shit. God. Are you
4: kidding me? I am so pissed. What is this, 150 years? I am pissed for them right now.
0: Gave them the bill. And also, on top of that, also gave them the bill for the telegrams that he sent inviting them to India.
4: Well, if I knew I was getting the bill, I wouldn't have ordered the second round of chicken lollipops, would I? <laughs> no, I wouldn't knows. have
1: done that. Because you know, that I know I've had this vibe before. I remember there was one time, the only time I ever got bottle service was with our buddy Cena Gaznavi. He, he got bottle service at this like club we went to. I don't know how the hell I ended up there. But I remember at the end of the night, everybody was so fucked up, right? I remember at some point seeing one person talk to, like somebody from the club, obviously walked up to one of the members of the people at the table. And I heard them like, uh, like talking, talking. And I just see like the club owners being like, we're not, I'm not speaking to you anymore, you're not, and then see me, and I just try to pretend like, I also am far too drunk to have a conversation, but he sort of knew, that because it, it was right after I had booked A to Z, and he walked right up, and he's just like, here's the bill, and I was yeah. just like,
4: oh no, and I guarantee you oh, everyone's no. like, oh don't stress it, this is on Stu, <laughs> Stu from A to Z, <laughs> yeah, but it's that truth, I could see
1: HBB's face of her just like holding court, that all of a sudden... That like a waiter just showing up with just a silver platter with a piece of paper on oh. it. And, being like, and her just going, kazam!
0: Kazam! <laughs> like trying to make it disappear. And Hari-chun tried charging them for staying at his house. Mm-hmm. Smart guy! It's just like, but that's the thing, is that Alcott and HPV had already sent him 600 rupees in advance for expenses. But <sighs> Hari-chun had to sheepishly admit... That he'd spent every bit of the money they'd sent on personal expenses.
4: Yeah, he's a busy guy. S- I'm
1: sorry. Sorry. I oh, know. And then they're the very classic. Um, but don't worry. I wrote you an IOU.
0: <laughs> there it is. That's a party for 300 people. You're gonna want to hold on to that. Oh my god.
4: Damn, that sucks. That is a stinger. It's a stinger. Also, singer. you just anything you didn't eat, you're pissed off. You passed on it. <laughs> oh no! It's no just like eat that food. Get up. Eat that <laughs> food <laughs> eat <it Okay>. now. <laughs>
0: As such, Hari Chand was kicked out of the Theosophical Society in disgrace, and HPB and Alcott found somewhere else to stay, somewhat rattled by the rocky start to what was supposed to be a new life supported by loyal adherents.
4: Damn.
0: You could maybe call it a sign. Yeah. Now, since HPB and Alcott were in India, the land of the so-called masters, it follows that they would encounter them here and there. Mm. Or at least, HPB had to appear to have encounters with the masters.
4: It's just grabbing random people off the street. (laughs) You're a master.
1: Are you a master? Oh my God, look, finally, a master. It's Tiger Woods. Please wear your green
0: jacket.
4: He is is the best.
0: From what H.B.B. claimed, she first encountered a master as she and her friend Mulji were riding around the city in a buggy. Suddenly, she ordered her driver to stop at a mysterious bungalow, which Mulji was forbidden from entering. She said, I'll be right back. She went inside and came out claiming that Master Moria had been waiting for her inside and had given her a bundle of white roses. She was mysteriously just holding some white roses.
4: When you said they were traveling in a buggy, I can't stop thinking of Marlon Brando in the island of Dr. Moreau. It's very similar. (laughs) Super pale.
0: (laughs) Well, Morya also told her that they could use the bungalow, which was apparently invisible to unwanted visitors whenever they liked. Oh. The only thing I will say
1: in defense of HPB in this moment is that Olcott was there as well. He went in, he walked into the bungalow together, and he did see a man and her go into a separate room, have a separate, some kind of conversation. She came out with a bouquet of roses. It's very strange because we don't know how the hell she noticed guys. How the hell she's just driving along and she's just says, Stop goes out into just some random ass dude's house where he seems to know HBB very well. But none of nobody else is allowed to talk to him, right? <laughs> It's very
0: strange. I mean, because yeah. if, if HPB did not have any contact with, you know, so-called masters, then she had one hell of a social network. Like, she mm. was somebody, if she did not have contact with these people, she had a fucking network of informants, some headhunters that were going out and looking for guys and doing casting calls and finding the right people, finding the right actors for all this shit. Absolutely. And of course, that is also if you believe Alcott, because most of the time when they say, like, yeah, the old, other people saw the masters. Those other people, usually Olcott. But Olcott was the
1: responsible one, kind of. Like, that's kind of his, that was his bag, right? It's the whole thing is that he did all the paperwork. He did all the hard stuff running the society. HBB was the magic. She was the one that was like the fuel for the fire. Olcott was a witness and a party to all this shit, which is why I do think that he ended up being loyal to her to the very bitter end. Bitter end. When he finally couldn't do it anymore.
4: Yeah, I hope that they have some success here because currently I am totally, I am, I am totally Team Madame Blavatsky and Olcott right now because of what happened to them. What a horrible first night or second night. Now,
0: Mulji supposedly had an encounter with Master Mori as well. He went Olcott you know, and Blavatsky, they weren't the only ones. A couple of other guys did see them. On that day, he, Olcott, HPB, and their 15 year-old man servant, Babula. My oh boy! <laughs> they were on their way to a set of ancient Buddhist temples cut into solid rock.
1: Did you ever look up pictures of those things?
0: No, I haven't. It was called the Allura Caves. These
1: things were wild. They were they are, they are crazy looking, and they are full-on homes, like and whole temples just carved into a mountain.
0: Well, while they were on their way there, the master also gave flowers to Mulji, saying, eh, huh. eh, these aren't for you, they're for Alcott. Give them over to Alcott.
4: But you gave me the flowers, good sir.
0: (laughs) You're a messenger
1: now. What? That's what just happened. You just got mastered.
4: That's the (laughs) the beginning of 1-800-Flowers. When you want to give your mother a gift, but you still need some distance.
0: (laughs) Then, later that night, as they were in the caves, Alcott heard a sound like a large door opening. And immediately after, HBB apparently vanished into thin air amidst her own piercing laughter.
1: Damn. Stuff's wild.
0: She then reappeared later, saying the noise Alcott heard was a secret door leading to a secret chamber, and she'd found her way inside for a secret conference of the masters to discuss secret topics. Oh
4: my god, the KFC recipe. (laughs) (laughs) But this was wild, right? Because remember, she
1: had rhino feet. She had a hard time moving around. Very difficult. She walked into the they walk into this fucking place he it's it's like a fucking the Batman movie where he walks in he looks around all of this like crazy carvings all this like weird things inside all of a sudden you hear like boom (laughs) she disappears he looks around for her because she's hard to miss and then all of a sudden, turns back around, and there she is. It's like, ha ha! I fooled you again.
4: You're I like, love oh, it. God yeah. damn
1: it, HBB, You got to stop turning my mind all around. You already got me,
4: girl. <laughs> damn, very yeah. cool. Yeah, and I mean, she
0: was yeah. She was not a fast mover when they were when they went to these caves. She had to be carried half the way up.
4: Being in a cave is very difficult. I went to one in North Dakota. I'm still traumatized. Looking at whatever the hell I was supposed to look at. What do they call triceratops? What do they call those stupid things that drip down from the freaking caves? That, are you talking little... about
0: stalactites and stalagmites? I don't Salactites give a shit.
4: <laughs> hey, welcome to the world where I don't give a shit. And everyone's <laughs> like, this is pretty interesting. I'm like, I think I'm stuck. They're beautiful. So, they're yeah, absolutely beautiful. Unless, unless you're claustrophobic, them. and then nothing is beautiful because ju- you are just—you realize you're just in a cave, uh-huh. and you're too big to be there. <laughs> Truly, after the descent, I will never go into a cave ever. Ever. I just read a whole story about a guy who was buried alive in a cave because he went down alone. They were able oh, no. to rescue a kid because the kid was small enough, but this guy wasn't able to be rescued. He's still there to this day. I believe it's in Utah.
0: <laughs> never go to a cave alone. Never. Ever. Nope. Never, ever. Now, these were only two of the many different interactions HPB and Alcott had with the masters in India. And many times, HPB would reportedly be able to send messages both to the masters and to other theosophists by writing the messages down and throwing them out of moving trains. And they would get to them, somehow. Very strange. But the people who were not very impressed with HPB were the existing religious figures in India, whom HPB ironically demanded phenomena from, even though she had once been so reticent to demonstrate it herself for so-called looky-loos.
4: Ah, uh, so she's kind of pissing off the wrong people. Reminds me a bit of Rasputin. Mm-hmm. She's messing with yep. some powerful folks here.
0: Mm-hmm. The first guy she pissed off was a Sikh ascetic, who had been squatting in meditation for 52 years, leaving his position only at midnight to bathe in a nearby river. This dude is fucking serious.
1: Very wow. serious, and I'm glad he takes that nightly bath. For <laughs> My
0: God. When she asked him through an interpreter for phenomena, he scoffed and called such spectacles, quote, playthings of the ignorant. He's completely correct. You
1: just got fucking roasted yeah you got seeked i love
4: the Sikh religion a yeah. taxi driver on the way back from jfk uh he i was so hung over and sad he was very encouraging and he gave me a little flyer about it oh. it's a it is a religion of love move like water <laughs> that's what he said I which i think is also a Bruce Lee said but <laughs> i then mean, you're like is- can i have some water <laughs> like, no 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 sir no it was a very sweet man very is- helpful
0: Well, this man told Blavatsky that there was a much larger truth beyond visible phenomena, and only a calm mind and an unperturbed soul could perceive that truth. Well, this only further annoyed Blavatsky, because nobody would have claimed that HPB was ever an unperturbed soul with a calm mind. Mm.
1: I'm plenty fucking calm. That sounds like me. That's me. I'm calm. I'm perfectly rational.
0: (laughs) The next Sikh they spoke with was a nude, emaciated gentleman with a collapsed stomach who'd oh. been living outdoors by choice for over a year. Another meditation thing. Huh. And he gave Blavatsky the same disdainful response.
4: Scoffed. Yeah, because who, like, they don't know who, the, did they know who she was? God, no. So this is just some random American-esque a, woman. Russian. Russian, but yeah. technically an American technically citizen. Technically an American citizen. Um, Either way, someone who is an outsider just being like, you perform for me, dance for me. Yep. Of course they're going to say no. When
0: Blavatsky was denied a third time by another Sikh mystic, she, according to Alcott's journals, lost her shit for a little bit. Hogging the whole seat on the elephant, they'd ridden out to the mystic while her companions clung to the elephant's rump. <laughs>
1: Nobody cares. Nobody cares about my tour. Nobody cares about doing tricks for me. You all you all sit where the shit goes. I'm sitting up by the hat. I've had enough of this shit. I need to clear my fucking mind. I guess my mind needs to be, to be fucking calm enough. For me to b- achieve all the magic, huh? So I better have enough room up here. I was like, Jesus,
4: H.P.P., you are
1: unanimously a nuisance. I understand the, uh, I, I get the vote now. Um, My theory is that she, uh, well, you know, are the masters real? I don't know, right? Who fucking knows? I feel like at some point she did receive a series of teachings from adepts from all over the world. She was picking apart all different sources of knowledge as much as she can. She might have made up the masters. We'll get into that. We're, n- we're not sure. Probably, but it, does it matter? I don't know. But when she showed up to see <laughs> see these real Sikhs, like these real Sikhs aesthetics, like real wise men, she kind of fangirled a little bit because up this point, up to this point, she has really just kind of touched the very outside of it. She can move, like do the raps, move cups around, do little tricks. But she never really got to the next step, which is their total body control, control of reality. If that is all true, like the idea of like gurus being able to fly, change their body temperature, walk through walls, all that kind of shit, like what LRH was promising. Still waiting to see if Tom Still Cruise. Still waiting. <laughs> can do it. Still waiting to do it. He's gonna, I heard he's going to walk through a wall, the new Elon Musk space movie that he's going to do. Oh. Can't wait. And then he's gonna suck a dick for six whole minutes on camera, which I also think is very brave.
4: Well, that will be that. That'll be one of those where it's like they, you know they didn't cut one time during shooting that they kept the same camera angle the entire time. Like, but Bird you Man. know,
1: but. But I wonder if she got frustrated with that where she's Maybe. just like show me the secrets. I want to see the secrets now and she didn't realize that in the in
4: that moment she was a massive hypocrite. Yeah because the secrets are within you. You have to do the exercise. You got to be outside for a year. You got to yep. squat for 52 freaking years. I'm not just giving you the secrets. Yeah. Kitzel you are understanding it. Exactly. I mean to, in her <sighs> mind she
0: had done the work. She had done the reading because at this point she's in her 50s. She'd been studying this shit since she was a little girl. It is her like- entire life and so in her mind she'd done all the fucking work and she shows up to these guys and go what the fuck are
4: you talking about you're nothing it is literally like me going up to finn balor or john cena two wwe superstars and being like give me your abs i'll take your abs it's like, no, you have to do the work if you don't do the work you don't get the abs which is why i don't feel so bad all the time because i'm heavy because i don't deserve to be thin and if i was thin there would be no rules in the universe no
1: the truth is that no if you became thin it means you have cancer. <laughs>
4: now, even though Blavatsky was, I dinner- call it, I call it cancer because I refuse hellish rebuke, hellish rebuke to the cancer. Oh, don't be! Now you're just being Steve Jobs. <laughs> what if I switch to plantain chips? No, you're going to die, Mister Jobs.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated
0: I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And fast growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's gonna thrive and it's gonna look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house.
2: Now, even though Blavatsky was
0: denied secrets from many of the public mystics in India, the main purpose of the trip was still to rehabilitate her image. Mm. So she and her followers started work on a monthly magazine called The Theosophist. Supported by an already growing number of theosophists in the Hindu upper class, the Theosophist magazine was an immediate hit, selling out its initial print run of 750 copies and establishing HPB as an occult force to be reckoned with in British-ruled India.
4: The theof- theosophist also sounds like a great pastor porn fisting type thing, <laughs> where it's like you're oh hello Mr. Pastor I've been a naughty g- gal and then he's like come over here I'll, I'll, let me fist you <laughs> just keep going man. <laughs>
1: Just keep going. <laughs> Write the script. <laughs> Tell your story.
4: Man, I
0: think I know what your third act is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> fucking producer. 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 You're going to be the ideas guy at Vivid Video, man. Well, uh, I
1: bring talent together with opportunity. Start saying <laughs> that in <a> lot. <laughs>
0: Now once the Theosophical Society established itself in India, Blavatsky started getting positive press once more. And the woman H.P.B had started the Failed Spirit Society with in Cairo that we spoke of at the end of episode 1, she saw these articles and thought, "Boom, I'm going to be a part of this." Okay. Her name was Emma Coulomb, formerly Emma Cutting, and she'd fallen on hard times since her days in Cairo with H.P.B, wasting a family fortune and the inheritance of a hotel and she'd done all this with her new layabout husband
4: it, 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 this really is it, the, the wealth these are wealthy kids these are wealthy kids live they were in a ha- fantasy they
0: were handed uh, a big pile of money and a highly functioning hotel on a silver platter and it was just fucking gone they just fucked it all away damn well in her letter Emma asked HPB if she had any room for her and her husband, Alexis. And Blavatsky, remembering how well she'd gotten along with Emma in Cairo, told her to come on out if she could figure out how to make it to Bombay on her own. Mm. She said, I'm not paying your way, but if you make it here, yeah, you got a spot. So while the destitute Coulombs figured out how they were going to make that happen, HPB and Alcott accepted an invitation from a newspaper editor named Alfred Percy Sinnott who was their first contact in what was then the British ruling class in India.
4: Okay, so you're telling me even in India, the newspaper editor has a name that only belongs to newspaper editors? <laughs> yes. Is, like, even in India, it's not like an Indian Bi- name?
0: Pioneer editor
4: Alfred Percy Senate. And you were born here, is that right? <laughs> yeah, this is, they knew I was yes. going to be an editor.
1: So. Yes, sir. I'm as Indian as this here river, which actually is now... Officially British, because we own it.
0: <laughs> well, this two week stay with Senate started a run of extraordinary demonstrations of paranormal abilities possessed by Madame Blavatsky. But, of course, it's all dependent on if you believe the people involved. Now, as soon as Senate mentioned to HPB, soon after her arrival at his home, that his experiments with supernatural phenomena had not produced anything, she immediately started producing knocks and raps throughout the whole house. Hmm. Over the next two weeks, HPB even began to produce raps on her host's heads from across the room. They felt a little knock-knock, which they said felt like faint electric shocks. Hmm. Of course, these were people who already wanted to believe, so take it as you will. But they weren't the only witnesses to phenomena during that stay. During a gathering of Sanskrit scholars... One of them began to wax philosophical about the old days when yogis could pull off magical feats, such as making roses appear out of thin air. Right, and hitting home runs. (laughs) And then H.P.B. she looked into the future, and she saw...
4: David Blaine. <laughs> Whoa! Maybe it's controversial, but I'm a big David Blaine fan. Yeah? I think it's amazing what he can do.
0: Yeah, I love a good illusionist.
4: Sure. He's, He's fine.
0: He was on Oprah. He stayed Don't
1: in the Don't let him water. anywhere
4: near your fucking wife. <laughs> no, no. How are you pregnant right now? <laughs> <laughs> David Blaine strikes again. Well, HPB
0: replied, Yogi still do that what? stuff. <gasps> and after waving her hand in front of her, it said that a dozen roses fell from above.
4: Wow. Bam!
1: And then that's where Emeril Lagasse actually told it. Bam is actually an ancient occult word. It stands for B-A-M. Balthusmiak al Magical Nominus, right? Oh. And now what he learned then is that ancient Sanskrit word. <laughs> it does make flavors increase in food.
4: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> then when one of the scholars asked at the end of the night if she could do it one more time so he might have a souvenir for himself, she produced a bouquet. Seemingly from out of nowhere.
1: There you go, buddy. Take that home with you. (laughs) That's a little
0: souvenir. Boom! You just got
1: fucking mastered. Wow. I did it again.
0: Now there are definitely all sorts of explanations for how this might have been done. The scholar who offhandedly mentioned the roses might not have offhandedly mentioned it at all. He might have been a plant.
4: I thought it was about a rose.
0: (laughs) It could also be that these men were all just yes-anding themselves into a fun story from something much smaller, where slight phenomena slowly turned into a major event with each telling of the story.
1: Something towards just
0: H.P.B.'s character. She was a very, she was a funny,
1: she was just show woman. Right? She'd know how to present this stuff. I will say it would be difficult for her to plant it because it, she wasn't like in her home base. Mm-hmm. So if it if she did see it, it was at somebody else's house, mm-hmm. and so it randomly happened. One of my o- other favorite things that HPB did was they were t- talking— I forget what, they were, th- what the scenario was, but the, one of the people she was traveling with wanted a cigarette case and asked, did anybody have a cigarette case? And HPB was like, I will show you. Yes, yes, the yogi will show you. And she made a bunch of signals with her hands. And, like, you know, weird little evil eye things, stuff in the air. And then reached into her pocket and just pulled one out and handed it to her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Marian Mead, the woman who writes the anti-HPB book, she tells this story somewhat differently. Saying that HPB and Senate were having an argument about Blavatsky performing feats under lab conditions. And Blavatsky was refusing because the masters would see that as, quote-unquote, showing off
4: it's just called i'm gonna put my no fun cap on (laughs) let's do this in a lab
0: but Mead does concede that during this dinner conversation roses did fall on the table out of what appeared to be thin air and she offers no comment on how such a feat could be accomplished
1: Cool. Yeah, take that, you flapdoodle!
0: <laughs> so once again, this is not proof. But when it is combined with all the other events that supposedly followed, a very interesting portrait of HPB's possible abilities begins to emerge. Yeah, something's which, happening. Which at the very least proves her to be a master illusionist, if nothing else.
1: Yeah. David Blaine was in that ice block for like 12 hours.
4: Remember that? Even longer. It was a full weekend. He was so cold in there. <laughs> so cold. Someone should have gotten him a
1: blanket. But it would have been kind of more fun if he died.
4: <laughs> well, he
0: he might one of these days. Well, on her next <laughs> invitation from Senate, he took HPB and four other guests out to a picnic. And on the way, the merry group stopped for tea. But when only six cups were produced for seven guests... Oh. <gasps> Someone in the party cheekily asked HPB, why don't you materialize the seventh cup and the seventh saucer?
1: Yes, hold on one second. Well, hold on one second hands up her, her fucking skirt pop <laughs> into her pussy oh my I think I got one
4: right here yes if that teacup could talk like in Beauty and the Beast it would scream and cry they should have just done human water fountain yeah. where one person drinks all of it spits it out and then it goes down and trickles, trickles to the others well to their
0: surprise she agreed and after looking around on the ground for a bit, she asked one of the guests, a military man named Major Henderson, to dig in a specific spot.
1: He actually was an admiral. His first name was Major. No. I just want to say that a funny way.
0: <laughs> he was an admiral, <laughs> and his first name was Major. Really? Well, that's confusing. Yeah. Well, sure enough, six inches down, he found a cup matching the ones they were using. According to Major, the soil had been unbroken, as if the cup had just appeared underground. And when HBB told him to dig further... What do you know? Found a saucer down there as well. What? Wrapped in roots.
1: Yeah, you just what got fucking the- mastered. <laughs> <laughs> yes. mm, cups are fucking everywhere, dude. You don't know where they will be, my friend. <laughs> wow, I
0: guess that's how you grow a cup tree. When he asked her and when he asked her how she did it, she said that she couldn't say unless he was a theosophist. So he hmm. again cheekily asked for a diploma. She said you shall have it. Hands up her fucking skirt.
3: <laughs>
4: what? <laughs> hey, let me just go. What are you <laughs> out up there? My god, I've heard of a prison purse before, but that's a whole, That is an entire storage unit.
0: No, she said you shall have it, and almost immediately Henderson found a diploma in a bush, he made got... out in his name. What? Got <laughs> fucking mastered You don't know what's going on. You
1: are not real, my friend. No! (laughs)
0: Getting mastered all over town. Now, admittedly, Babula, HPB's manservant, did later allegedly tell someone that HPB had ordered him to bury the cup and saucer on that spot. And it was HPB herself who led them to that spot. But the person who made that claim, who we'll get to later, may herself have had ulterior motives and Mm. it was a pretty impressive feat to okay one she's got to make sure that there are seven people in six cups two she's got to make sure that she that they stop on the exact spot that she buried that cup and saucer three she has to make it appear as if the soil is completely and totally unbroken major henderson dug a tunnel in the ground underneath he went underneath to see if this soil was unbroken. She would have had to have been a master at all sorts of illusions and subterfuge in order to pull this off. I
1: mean, she had the time and it was her career, so I wonder if she spent all those extra time just, you know, essentially practicing. Yeah. But who knows? Babula, though, who knows? Because at some point, Babula was like,
3: Mrs. Blavatsky asked me to bury, like, 10
1: cups (laughs) in a bunch of different places, and a lot of my time was spent Getting cups and looking in people's cupboards and seeing what cups they had. And a lot of it, I was like, maybe we should talk about your taxes, Mrs. Blavatsky. I, I can help you with that. But she didn't want any of my guidance. I'm just 15.
4: Well, 15 years old, and of course, that means that it was two years removed from his employment with you, Henry. You said he was 13 years old, so at the very least, he's no longer rubbing mayonnaise on your feet. Hey, man, I'm
1: raising my assistant.
0: Mm-hmm. So soon after the cup and saucer trick HPB and her posse Were having dinner at the home of a person Named Alan Hume When Blavatsky asked Mrs. Hume If there was anything she wished for Is there anything that you have lost That you wish you had again Uh And Hume replied that there was a brooch Her mother had given her But it had been lent to her daughter And lost long ago Hmm. So Blavatsky took her hand And asked her to picture the brooch In her mind and describe it
1: Okay it was um, it was sort of like it looked like a widespread open pair of legs, and there was kind of little brown diamonds at the very bottom of the back of it and so it sort of looked like the view from behind of a buttock <laughs> as it is making fessies)
4: It is very special and
1: very unique to our family.
4: It's a poopy
0: brooch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after hearing the description and even having Hume draw a picture of it, it wasn't just that she had the description. She had a picture of the brooch. HPB took two cigarette papers and wrapped them around a coin attached to her watch chain and put the bundle in the pocket of her dress. After dinner, HPB checked her pocket and said, Oh, the papers are gone. Mrs. (gasps) Hume! If you would, go out to the garden, look in the star-shaped flower bed, and there you shall find your brooch.
1: Whoa! What? Well, okay. Go outside, (laughs) right, immediately, and there it is. Oh, my
0: God, my poopy
1: bro. Whoa.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure enough, it was there exactly as Mrs. Hume had described, and it was wrapped in the cigarette papers that HBB had wrapped them in, or at least it, it was wrapped in some cigarette
4: papers. All Can't right.
1: You see the whole family just literally going like, Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That like, is. Just dancing around.
4: Absolutely incredible.
0: Now, skeptics point out that hbb had met mrs hume's daughter earlier that year in bombay and she might have been given the brooch then but the daughter denied giving blavatsky the brooch and it's hard to explain why the daughter would have given a family heirloom to a complete stranger on the off chance that she might have contact with her mother and might have reason to fool her pull a humbug
4: it's real strange yeah. that is we're for
0: just sure.
1: what it's just we're doing a lot of walk around to say that, yes, I mean, sure, I guess if if she planned this, fucking a year earlier, then yes. But it doesn't seem like H.P.B. If from every other description of her, she doesn't seem to have a great eye for detail.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nor like, does she honestly, really think she ahead like, that much. She,
1: no, I don't think she did. I think she was fairly impulsive. And she was, a, she was a scatterbrain. That's the way they talked about her, was that she was all over the place. And the idea of, like, putting together this amount of, of just pre-planning these illusions, I don't know. Who knows?
0: Well, Marion Mead claims that the brooch was never lost and that Mr. Hume had actually pawned it for cash and HPB scooped it up. And then, of course, pulled the ruse later. But that, again, takes multiple levels of knowledge, huh. groundwork, and coercion to make it happen the way it did. She had to know that the brooch belonged to the Humes. Uh, she had to yeah. know that Mr. Hume sold it and didn't want his wife to know. Mr. Hume would have had to keep quiet about the whole fucking thing. Because if Mr. Hume came out and said, "Ah, oh, man. Yeah, I sold that to the pawn shop, right. uh, and she must have just bought that and brought it in. Hume was a very a highly influential figure in India in the British ruling class. It would have ruined her entire fucking rep- rep- reputation to take a risk that big
4: I am just so happy that a tale as old as time is husbands pawning things behind their wife's back to try to make some money (laughs) that is just amazing that there's still pawn shops in the 1800s well also I mean what a good scam that is is that
1: the husband sold the brooch you picked it up to go fucking you're gonna fool this whole family you're gonna do all of the shit maybe you're super excited for it and just the look on Mr. Hume's face as she's like and the brooch is right here. (laughs) He's just standing there being like, um, what an incredible day!
0: Whoa! 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 (laughs) Well, interestingly, despite this being one of the most famous Madame Blavatsky stories, this is the one that people tell to kind of illustrate Madame Blavatsky's powers. Mariam Mead, she rushes through it and says, maybe this happened, maybe that happened. Where every other supposed fraud is picked apart piece by piece by piece. She can't explain this one uh, except through circumstantial accusations. Interesting.
4: Mary me don't like HPB. Well, I mean, but without... Skeptics, you don't have. Uh, you don't got a wizard. You got to have your skeptics. What does that mean? You, you got to have the skeptics that because I won't accept. if you do not, if you don't have any pushback, then you don't have any sympathy coming from your supporters. Being like, well, they are trying to take you down. Everyone has to be the underdog of their own story. That's the only way you come across as a winner. Hmm. hmm. Or they celebrate your winning anyway, which is why I lost yesterday at a small competition show. And I won! I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and
1: I won!
0: But the final act of paranormal phenomena when it came to impressing the British ruling class was the one that might have pushed Blavatsky from legitimate phenomena into the world of out-and-out fraud
1: oh yeah man because you got you constantly have to top yourself right mm-hmm. every single time you do something you have to come up with another way to come up on top it's getting harder and harder for her to figure out like
4: well how do i really blow their minds now yeah and that is why a little movie recommendation it's a documentary the house in between they it's nothing too special mm-hmm. you just see a baseball but uh that makes it seem very real to me because they did not uh, go crazy with it i get it man Well, Blavatsky told Alfred Sennett that the big master,
0: Coot Hoomy, had asked her to inquire after where and when the Senates would like their personal proof that Coot existed. Mrs. Sennett then pointed to a cushion on their couch and said, we want it here and now. I suggest you go and smell that cushion. (laughs) You see that um, (laughs) someone not too far from now.
1: (gasps) Has <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow.
0: So when Sennett cut the cushion open, Mrs. Sennett's brooch, different brooch, different woman, okay, was waiting inside with the initials KH inscribed on the back. Wow. It also included a note that read thus. My dear
1: brother, <laughs> this brooch number two is placed in this very strange place place simply to show you how very easily a real phenomenon is produced
0: all right coot (laughs) yeah coot's doing it man
1: yeah coot is kind (laughs) of coot's doing a little harder than he (laughs) needs to you know
0: and so with this first communication senate asked if he could write a reply to the masters using blavatsky as a middleman and Madame blavatsky said of course you can and that promise was the beginning of the end for HPB's credibility.
4: Ah, she flew too close to the sun.
0: She went too far with it.
1: Well, now she's got to be the master, right? She's, I, in a way, whatever communication she's having with the other side has really been a one-on-one thing. And you notice, up until now, mostly she's like, I do the communicating, y'all do the listening and the learning. And so she could hide her secrets. This was a thing that I think that if she had just sat and really thought about what she was doing, where it's like the secret schools were secret for a reason. It's because some of the machinations have to be hidden for the power of the message to be fully delivered. Now she's showing you how the, the occult sausage is getting made. Mm. She is a, She's bringing you in a step closer, which is going to show, like, she's not going to be able to cash them checks for very yeah. long.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to speak for Henry here, but I'm pretty sure that the masters as HPB knew them were simply characters she created, a way for a woman in the late nineteenth century to be taken seriously by men.
1: I'm pretty much with you. Yeah. I just think that she had she did have teachers. Yeah. Of course. And that she used the images of those teachers as her masters as shorthand. A cult shorthand. And the same thing. The idea is that because no one would believe anything coming from the mouth of a woman at the time.
0: Yeah, but if she says, coot whom he told me this, then they're like, oh, uh-huh. very good. Oh, yeah. You always got to trust a coot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who has a name that rhymes with hoot. That's yes, what I just- <laughs>
0: indeed. So when Senate asked for communication, Blavatsky most likely not only wrote the letters, but she for some reason decided that these letters needed to be delivered in a way that appeared magical. And the person who made it possible was Emma Coulomb. Mm. I would call, you
1: say a fraud, right? And you say that Emma Coulomb and, and her were, they were shifters, they were shysters and they were con people. But I also, I'd use the term imagineers. because <laughs> like at that. Disney, At Disney, they apologize if you see their construction. They don't want you to see their pixie dust. They yeah. just want you to be just enthralled by just how much money you can spend within 20 five minutes for magic
4: it is illegal for daffy duck or mickey mouse or Minnie mouse or any of those characters to take their masks off if yeah. they do they get in big trouble it's all done yeah it's done i don't it, know if it's illegal it's illegal <laughs> no disney did disney, you not watch Beverly hills cop 3 no it's not illegal they're not going to go to prison no they're going to disney prison no that is 100 true we don't know we don't know the pedophile ring underneath epcot center we don't know we don't know it's terrible down there
0: well Emma and her husband Alexis finally arrived in Bombay. And even though Blavatsky had totally forgotten that she'd invited them, <laughs> 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 that's like Oh whoa. Whoa. Hey. Yes. Hey. Yeah, She welcomed him with open arms. She was like, Oh god okay, yeah, oh god ah, yes, now now I remember. And she gave them the bedroom above Henry's office in the Theosophical Society. Okay. Now the way these two people are described, they sound like they showed up on the Theosophical Society's doorstep in absolute shambles, mm. like a fucking, like, like a couple of Frankenstein monsters. <laughs> After years of poverty, the Coulombs were haggard, emaciated, and perpetually grim. These are rich kids who have been poor now for a long time and do not know
1: how to be poor.
0: Oh, is it not as fun as you thought it would be? It's
4: not (laughs) fantasy island. Yeah,
1: they they had the crust punk experience that have like families and like that have money and then they just want to go, they go and vacation on the streets. Yeah.
0: Except for going to St. Mark's place, they went to India. Alexis had lost one of his eyes somehow and had it replaced with a glass one. And his, hey, man, you know how many times I leave a cup of coffee on the roof of my car? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and his pasty complexion, prematurely wrinkled face, and black beard only made his surliness all that more pronounced. Nevertheless, Emma was made the Theosophy Society's housekeeper, while Alexis became the handyman. They put him where they could, and since the Coulombs owed Blavatsky for taking them in, she thought she could trust them... With the fraud that ruined her reputation. No, Ooh. you
4: can't do
0: that. Nope, mm. nope,
1: no. nope. You need to get. You need to vet these people, man, yes. before you let
0: them in on the fraud. Well, she thought she had vetted Emma because Emma was with her in Cairo, and Cairo, if you'll remember, was fraudulent. They were yeah. faking shit with the spiritualist seances. Yeah. So she thought she could trust. She thought she
4: could trust. Her. The problem with trusting people during a li- doing a illegal activity or fraud because they're by nature not trustworthy people. You never know when they're going to flip. Exactly. You got to watch Ocean's
1: Eleven. <laughs> I think if she really, if she had
0: seen Ocean's Eleven, <laughs> she'd know
1: that sometimes uh, friends and rogues are sometimes not friends indeed. Yeah, yeah,
4: that's very true.
0: <laughs> well, soon after the Coulombs arrived. Blavatsky asked Emma to saw a hole in the floor for room. And Emma did as she was told and cut a hole large enough to slip her hand down to the ceiling cloth. Ceiling cloth was used in India to prevent death from above by way of spider.
4: Jesus Christ. That's horrifying. (laughs) Oh, Uh, my God. That that was not on the Zillow profile (laughs) when I was moving into this home. Um, Death by spider, you say.
0: Blavatsky then told Emma to cut a slit in the cloth wide enough to slip an envelope through, and thus they made a way to make it appear as if the letters from Coot Humi to people like Alfred Sennett materialized out of what Blavatsky called astral special delivery.
4: But it's so much more fun than the U.S. Postal Service. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea. It's like eating at Jekyll and Hyde's. Do you remember how horrible that food was,
1: but sometimes shit would just talk? You're like, this is fun as hell. Jekyll and
4: Hyde, a restaurant and theater uh, here in New York City, all of those raiders got SAG cards because they were technically acting and they were getting paid to perform. But I found them to be quite mean. They were sometimes mean. They did say mean things too, but they
1: thought
0: it was funny. But actually, it was their contempt was showing. Yes. (laughs) Well, the reason why Blavatsky did this is because, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of mystique in a letter being delivered by the mailman from Master Kuthumi.
1: Absolutely ah, not. I get it. Make the mailman wear a skeleton costume <laughs> oh that's a good how one fun oh. is that?
0: <laughs> so, how fun is that skeleton male yeah so I yeah. mean and I don't know I really don't it quite possibly it could be another yes and conversation you know where you know Senate's talking to Madame Blavatsky and he's like well how would such a master be able to deliver such a communication mm-hmm. and she would reply with something like astral well, what, special, special delivery,
1: delivery yes yeah. special delivery yeah
0: I love it. But then Emma's
1: just like, okay oh, can make a hip in for you? I'll <laughs> oh, show sure, how you do
4: it. It's easiest it's,
1: point
4: baby. Like, <laughs> she, I like her. Is she, <laughs> she a thug from Sherlock Holmes? What's <laughs> <Yeah>. going on? <laughs>
1: they were haggard people, man. They were vagabonds. <laughs> I just right. always imagine her just like that, like slinking, like, it's like, oh, right, I now cut a hole in the floor here. I with this is how these mechanisms will go. And she and her just going like, <laughs> cut a hole I will and cut a hole I will again oh, next my. time i see you again you're like what are you
4: mumbling Emma? <laughs> nothing <laughs> she's working with Moriarty
0: <laughs> well, over the next three years Blavatsky would deliver 120 letters to Senate and other members of the British ruling class writing everything from esoteric instruction to commands that they must as always be patient with Madame Blavatsky
1: gotta be It's important. That's what I've been... I wish I had a way to tell my family to be patient with me. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. But no matter how what came to be known as the Mahatma letters made their way to their intended recipients, the content contained therein was the beginnings of what would eventually become Madame Blavatsky's most well-known work, The Secret Doctrine. We finally got there. The, The hardest book to
4: read... In a world. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Secret Doctrine time.
0: No, 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 no. We're still like an hour from Secret Doctrine time.
4: No, <laughs> not
0: Secret Doctrine time. This is just the seeds. Okay. Like, the, the Secret Doctrine grows from the Mahatma letters. Like, they're, the Mahatma letters are like the first draft of the Secret Doctrine. Now, there is a strain of misogyny present throughout these letters, which Marion Mead takes as evidence that Blavatsky hated all women and thought, that they were insipid beasts without the power of concentration necessary to become true occultists. Hmm. And it also throws the scent off of HPB. So,
1: because all of these letters are like, H... She obviously cannot handle these things on her own, like saying all these things from outside of her perspective to basically say, like, I couldn't possibly be writing these letters. He said that I he said that my breasts look like two hogs with costume masks upon them. That's right. That's why if I ever
4: have to write a letter to the police after committing, um, I don't know, maybe a bank robbery, the first sentence is. Don't know about you, but I hate Taco Bell.
3: (laughs) Hate it, hate it, hate it.
4: I don't order it when I'm sad or happy. I don't order it late at night or early in the morning. I hate Taco Bell.
0: (laughs) Well, she was playing to her audience. Most likely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she had working relationships with multiple women throughout her life, and after her death, the Theosophy Society became a female-dominated organization at the highest levels. It was ha- She handed the baton to other women. most, And she would, as Henry said, she would tear herself down in these letters. She would roast herself. And most likely, she was doing this to get these high society dickheads on her side. Right.
1: She needed their money. She needed their class. She needed their position, especially... Especially in India, because she had a connection to the common people, but she also needed a connection to the up top people. That's kind of like what she was trying to do: is bring these all together. Because also, again, remember the main goal of this whole thing is to set up Theosophy hardcore in India as a, as her the new location of where she would be in charge, or mm-hmm. secretly in charge, in mm-hmm. the background in mm-hmm. charge. So she's trying to get as as much as she can
4: going. She's biting off more of the Shake can chew. That's right. So she's a little bit uh, what Mother Teresa was to Catholicism, to spirituality. Is that is that what the sense I'm getting here? If she, was she a woman of the people? Uh, somewhat. She somewhat. didn't
0: mind walk, hang hanging out with people. I mean, she was apparently very charitable. Like that, she was. Stories are told again and again of you know her charitable works. So uh, she's better than Mother Teresa. She's better because than She's yeah, she sure. better than. Yeah, Mother she doesn't Th- believe that suffering brings you closer to God. No. Well.
1: Her shit, too, was that she, she liked to think that she was in connection with the common people. She liked the, she liked the, the feeling of it. Again, she's, she came from money. She had a whole idea. This was very exotic to her, mm-hmm. being like
0: poor and on the road. Well, Al- Alcott, he was connected to the people. Like, sure. Alcott actually uh, very briefly became, like, a national hero in India. He became a national celebrity because he apparently had the powers to heal people with fucking magnetism. And he apparently, like, would, the Indian oh. people would just line up, and he would lay his hands on them, and they'd be like, ah, I feel fucking great. Wow. People use magnets all the time. People have those magnet wrist watches and all that
1: shit.
4: I don't know what it does. but
0: Nothing. It does nothing. It's all
1: psychosomatic, oh,
4: wow. but... He got a hey. good reputation for it. Well, I mean, it it hmm. makes it it makes it easier to open the fridge. It's <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Gazelle. <'cause... laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: Well, her efforts absolutely worked. Alfred Senate. He became such a loud proponent of Madame Blavatsky that the owners of the newspaper where he was editor they warned him to cool it. They're like, dude, settle down. Wow. And when he didn't, they fucking fired him. Yep. Now, this wasn't necessarily the beginning of the end for Blavatsky, but longstanding relationships were starting to fray, particularly Blavatsky's relationship with Henry Steele Alcott. Oh, no. It
1: seems to be the work balance of the two. Uh, seemed to be off mm-hmm. for many, many decades, where uh, Henry Steele Olcott did everything, and Blavatsky was—you know—she was fun. She she wrote a lot, and she smoked a lot, and everybody liked her, and she could make things knock and and cups move around and shit. But uh, Olcott really was doing a lot of the heavy lifting.
0: Olcott was doing all of the heavy lifting. Like it's- Olcott was running the Theosophical Society. He was running the whole fucking operation. Blavatsky just sort of. Showed up.
4: It seems like what broke up OKC a few years ago with the Thunder, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, they were like not getting, they were they, they couldn't split the credit. Ah, and now we got this guy who is doing. It's basketball. <laughs> You're going to store it back. It's a it's basically a national pastime. Mean, it's an international sport that has billions of followers. You talk about Dune, like anyone knows what it is. Frank Herbert was a genius. <laughs> but well, he but he's got his own side hustle going. He's got people lined up to meet him. Why does he care anymore? He's doing pretty good and he wanted to take a trip to Ceylon. He wanted to go to Sri Lanka.
0: But Blavatsky, knowing that she couldn't run the Theosophical Society in his absence or most likely being unwilling to even fucking try to run the Theosophical Society in his absence, told him that the masters forbade it. And if he went to Ceylon, he'd never speak to a master again. Whoa. Now, according to Olcott's journals, the shine on Blavatsky had started to fade a little once they'd arrived in India. As Blavatsky... To me, Blavatsky and Alcott's relationship, like, they were great friends in New York City. Like, they had a fucking great time with each other in New York City, where they met. Mm -hmm. Going on a road trip's a different story altogether. Yes, it is. Well, especially because she was was bad at it. She's bad at traveling. She's bad at traveling, and she
1: and she was sour, and they did not... And I don't know if... I don't think maybe Alcott wasn't an angel either. I don't know what he was expecting going to India, but it, it brought out bad parts of their relationship.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta know if someone's a good traveler or not. Yeah. Yeah, She's she was... A, well, I mean,
0: she was a good traveler probably when she was younger, but at this point, she's uh, got fucking horrible health problems. Right. She's got really bad health problems, uh, and she's also, like Henry said, just fucking sour. Mm. Just kind of a difficult person to deal with. Right. So when Blavatsky threatened to take away the masters, Alcott said, fine, do it. I don't even care anymore. Fucking take them away. And he what? went to
4: Ceylon. He, well, he's not going to get any masters. <laughs> <laughs> does he know that? Well, Yeah, does he know that? <laughs> See, if you call
1: my bluff. So wow. sad for her. Yeah.
0: But when he got back, Blavatsky welcomed him as if nothing had happened. He called her bluff and she blinked. Oh my God. <laughs> as such she lost Alcott's respect for not following through. And he wrote that after that, he did not love or price her any less as a friend or a teacher, but the idea of her infallibility, the juice that kept him unquestioningly loyal, was gone forever. Damn. And she didn't realize how much he protected
1: her yeah, and how much he covered for her and what, what she did. To, because the very complicated relationship between the aspiring occultist and the uh, the one who is in touch with the ascended masters the touched one right like this idea of that's the font of knowledge hBB is where is the wellspring of the the true inspiration that built all of this other stuff so now you're watching somebody who if she popped that bubble and now you're sitting there and me like how do I believe that you're a pure like mouthpiece for the ether? Where and because now I see like, I can bluff you. I I can fuck with you. I can manipulate you.
0: Yeah, he protected her a lot. Like he kept the wolves at bay. Uh, And then when he sort of backed off a little bit, the attacks started coming from all sides. First, it was the Indian spiritual leaders. One swami printed pamphlets calling H. B. B. and Alcott atheists, liars, and selfish persons. Whoa. Then her former friends started coming after Alan Hume. He of the brooch turned on HPB and called her, quote, crude, unenlightened, and beneath the criticism of real scholars.
4: Yeah, I don't trust anyone who pawned a a
1: family heirloom. (laughs) But I will say that's what they said about us and Tom Green.
4: Hey, my, my bum is my bum is on my bum is on the ship. I, I That's love what that. they dare my said about Tom the Green. I love him. Yeah. I love him. Love him.
0: Love him. Absolutely. Tom Green. It, the yeah no. The, uh, him, him making the, the putting the statue of his parents having sex with each other on their front lawn is the best prank ever pulled. Uh, I the, dare where, I said what's the best it? prank ever. The, I said it.
4: <laughs> the, the where's my dinner bitch statue <laughs> is yeah. if you yeah, for Alan. everyone that is not exactly us. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. It was quite funny. We didn't have the internet when we were growing up. We just had MTV.
0: (laughs) Even people in the Theosophical Society turned on her. The president of the British TS called her out as a fraud when she reversed her stance on reincarnation due to what she learned during her time in India. See, in ISIS Unveiled, which she had written before India, she'd written that abortions, dead infants, and quote-unquote incurable idiots were not eligible for reincarnation.
4: So sure. this would be this would be like if Bill Maher put a Make America Great Again hat on. She's <laughs> she's losing her base. She's losing yeah. her market. Yes. She's yeah. changing too much. Yeah, she's flip-flopping.
0: Yes. And then once after India, she said nobody's exempted. And this was apparently unforgivable to some of her followers.
4: They hated it. She created a monster, man. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, you saw the letters I sent you about people
1: talking about the math of how it was physically impossible for Blavatsky to smoke a pound of tobacco and the the way they broke down the grams (laughs) and the amount of time that it would take. So, yeah, there are nitpickers out there.
0: Yeah, the different kinds of tobacco that were available in 1880. Was she smoking (laughs) Russian tobacco, which was a little bit stronger than regular American tobacco? And actually, the Russians are very interesting because they were some of the first people outside of the (laughs) U.S. Help me! Help! it. I respect their hobbies. They man, Everybody's got a thing. Absolutely. Well, after that, her health began to fail even more. In addition to the dropsy, she was also diagnosed with Bright's disease, which was a malady of the kidneys that resulted in what was then called bags a la kangaroo <laughs> all over her body. <laughs> but guess what? They weren't filled with cute little joeys. <laughs> no. They were filled with horrid, tumorous Skin meat? <laughs> I don't know. Bright's disease is still around. Like it's people still die from
4: Bright's disease. Bags a la kangaroo. That's a- <laughs> that sounds like an appetizer. That sounds like something you get at an Australian Here. restaurant. I'm gonna see. I'm just gonna look at it and see what it
1: does. No, nope. no one's showing any pictures of it. Oh, it's just a picture of a beautiful woman going. Uh, like holding her side. <laughs> yes, uh. that
4: sounds right. So she's got a lot of cute-sounding diseases that are actually horrible to the body. Bright's disease.
1: Dropsy. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's cute. Dropsies sound like cute little, like... It, it, Like sugar candies. Yeah. When your fucking legs give
4: up being
1: Ah. solid. Dropsy also
4: kind of sounds like the great great grandfather of Banksy, but he would just leave dumps in public on random streets. (laughs) Dropsy strikes again. (laughs) In other words, it was all starting to fall apart. Damn. So anyone in her corner
0: anymore? Uh, Kind of sort. Yeah. I mean, there's still plenty of theosophists that are still in her corner. And okay. Alcott's not out of her corner. Like, Alcott still prizes her as a friend, still prizes her as a teacher, but she's no longer infallible. I see. Like, she is, like, it's, you know, it, he's a pastor who's lost his faith. Gotcha. Oh my
1: God. I just finally found a picture of it. And you're just, your eye, you look like your face turns into a big clit. <laughs> Oh, no, that's your your professional medical opinion. (laughs) (laughs) This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, What did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it and she loved it and she wore it when we went on vacation and my own. Did everybody come around being like, Where'd you get that piece, you beautiful woman? And I was like, Stop talking to my wife. She's spoken for. You can see it with the Blue Nile. Bling, she's got on her. Right now, get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash l e f t. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: So, to kind of bring things back, she needed something juicier than the letters. So she had Alexis Colum construct what came to be known as the Occult Room in her new house in the Bombay suburbs. Cool. The main feature of the Occult Room was a cedarwood cupboard that Blavatsky told people was a direct line to the masters, where the masters could send larger objects much more impressive than mere letters. Yeah,
1: yeah, like it nowadays, it, you'd open it up and see Kevin Spacey in there, which is a <laughs> master class. And then what he could send through the cupboard, all those boys. <laughs> plenty of room.
4: Yep. I think most of those boys have now committed suicide. Swish, 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 quotation marks. Switch,
1: switch, 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 switch. Oh, my.
0: In reality, the cupboard was a trick box attached to a wall. That had a hole leading to the next room on the other side, and it had three sliding panels in the back, invisible to the casual observer, which made the swapping
4: of objects easily done. Dude, that's—it's like the movie Candyman. Yeah, when they take out the freaking uh, the mirror in the in the in the bathroom. A lot like that, except it had like a full-on
0: false back. So if like you looked at it and you knocked on it, like it sounded solid. <gasps> uh, but you know, she could close the doors. She could put an object in there. Say, you know, okay. We're going to put something in there, and the Masters are going to get us something back. So she put something in there. Whoever was on the other side, usually Alexis or Emma, they would open up the panel, put whatever HPB asked for in
4: the fucking cupboard, and then close it, and then she'd open it up and say, like, ah, the Masters have brought you this. Do you think that Henry uh, ever put his cock and balls in there It was just like, (laughs) hey, open it up, you know, just kind of for fun?
1: (laughs) Yeah, every once in a while, I think that they maybe tried it, but (laughs) Olcott thought that all of this was real. For, well, he wasn't, oh. I don't know how much he was brought in for in terms of the scam side. I think that he was just like, he'd sit. For this, and he was not. He
0: was not brought in on the occult room oh. at all.
1: But he also, I imagine as a learned man, you also know that there's a little bit of flimflammery going on here. Mm-hmm. And now this begins the point of, let's see where she's going with this. Because this is very classic illusionist. Trick. This is like yeah. this is the most classic, like trick door behind a, cu- a cupboard. Like I, this is just what happens. So it just seems to be it's highly interesting. It would in my mind, if I sat in that room, I know that that's a trick. Yeah. But I also am a tr- I'm a, a modern human being. Mm-hmm. Right.
4: But just
0: as she was getting this fraud up and running, her health got even worse, and her doctor suggested perhaps the air in India is bad the air
4: i don't think the air has anything to do with it
0: well there's certain uh there's certain maladies or like if you have tuberculosis if you have tuberculosis you go to a drier climate you know yeah but she's got bright and dropsy
1: <laughs> god knows i mean it didn't seem like nothing was doing well for her right. and it probably yeah. had a lot to do with her diet and lifestyle yeah, yeah. maybe
4: the smoking mm-hmm.
0: but the doctor told her it'd probably be best if you packed up and left for london But as plans were being drafted for HPB to leave India, Emma Coulomb supposedly started having second thoughts about all the deceptions she'd been a party to over the previous three years.
4: Oh, come on!
0: See, as long as they were in India, she claimed she didn't care because she said they were only fooling Hindus who believed in miracles already, even though the biggest humbugs she helped perform were on the ruling class. Just come on! But from what Emma said, now that HPB was off to Europe, Blavatsky would now be fooling good upstanding Europeans in their homelands. And that was not something she could
4: stand by and let happen. I've been to Europe. They're not upstanding. Uh, it's a, you, got, you got a bit of a crook back, if you know what I'm talking but about. Honestly,
1: yeah. And Europeans, there are a lot of times they're sitting down, smoking, having a coffee, enjoying their lives. That's yes. what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I think she's full
4: shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's what she claims. In reality... It seemed like her motivation was far simpler. Emma was broke, beholden the HPB, and she very simply wanted that cash money. Now, she did try borrowing 2,000 rupees from an Indian prince to get out on her own. But when HPB found out about the deal just before leaving for Europe, she was mortified and furious that one of her people was asking for money. She put the kibosh on the whole thing. And supposedly, as HPB sailed away, Emma told the person next to her, quote,
1: I shall be revenged on your mistress for preventing me from getting my 2,000 rupees.
4: Damn, you sound like a scary dude. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But, I, you know, because that's the thing.
1: If HBB, if she just wasn't such a controlling person, Mm -hmm. if she had just let her go and been like, okay, you want to go? Go because you gotta keep things copacetic, especially if she's a part of the fraud. If she's right. the main thread of the fraud, you need to keep her in play and figure out how to do that. But HPB, she wanted it, she wanted all of it too much. She wanted her cake and to eat it too. Yes. She wanted the bakery and she wanted all the flour.
0: Right. That's one of HPB's biggest problems is that she always wants it both ways. Uh, and, she, you know, when it comes to opinions, when it comes to a lot of shit, she tries having it both ways. And that's exactly when things blow up in her fucking face.
4: I gotta say, I hate the phrase "they wanted their cake and eat it too." Are you just supposed to stare at it? Now, I don't understand where it comes already, from.
0: We've already had this discussion. How before. many years ago
4: was that? <laughs> I think it was in the Unabomber case, and I think that we've had it again. Eight years ago, I think
0: we've had it again since. I remember having this ca- this discussion with you both on air and off. air. I will never apologize it, for not changing <laughs> <laughs> what it means. <laughs> what it means is that you want to be able to have your cake and also eat, eat it. it but that's the thing it, is that you, you have, have it because so that, that's you the thing if you, eat, if you eat the cake you don't have it anymore and no. you want to be able to have the cake I'm gonna and I'm going to go listen to the, the
4: Unabomber it. episode and, and, and try to figure it <laughs> out I don't, don't out know how
0: you don't understand
4: this it doesn't make sense if you, do, if you eat the cake you don't have it anymore you don't have and it if anymore if you want your cake it's and
0: shit. eat it if you want to have your cake and eat it too that is an impossible proposition because those are two different those are two
4: um, different states in which these things cannot exist if there was only one fucking cake in the world but there are multiple cakes.
0: I,
1: We're I talking just, about.
0: This
1: <laughs> it is allegory. This is allegory, and this it's is an why allegory. I won't let you into my secret school. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: are abominably literal, my
1: friend. Hey, abominably all right, literal. you fucked All your- right,
4: I got it. I get it. People like cake.
0: Now Blavatsky, not so smartly, left. And in- I'm letting it go. Now Blavatsky, not so smartly. Doesn't sound like you. are. It sounds like you're stewing on it. it sounds yeah, no, like, like stewing, I've angered huh? you to a point that you can't even continue the show. <laughs> Now, Blavatsky, not so smartly, left India without instructing Emma and Alexis to tear down the fraudulent apparati.
3: Ooh!
0: It was a bad move, Mm. and Emma soon revealed to the board of control left in charge that Blavatsky was a fraud, (gasps) and her next stop was the newspapers. Damn! Now, they did attempt to pay her off with the exact same amount HBB had prevented her from borrowing, but by this time, it was a matter of revenge and Emma said she was finally going to lay the truth of HPB Bear for all the world to see.
1: Damn, dude. Not fucking good. watch who is your fucking main
0: Damien this shit. Dang. It became personal. Right. Now, when it comes to the two sources up for this series, the writers, not surprisingly, take completely opposite opinions when it comes to Emma Coulomb. Mead takes everything she said, from the accusations of fraud to later airings of dirty laundry, as Absolute fact, and reports it as such. Like you know, in the in the, in the first two episodes, like when we say it's like, well, Mead says this. All that shit comes from Immaculum. All that shit yep. comes from things that Emma Coulomb said, you know, anti HPB pamphlets, anti-HPB articles. Like all of that comes from Emma Coulomb. She said, Emma Coulomb said, HPB told me this. This is what HPB right. told me. She I was her confidant for years. This is what she told me. And Mead takes that as fact.
4: But she's also she's also a fraudster. Yeah. Can't trust her. Yep. And,
0: and Lockman takes a much more skeptical stance on Emma Coulomb, saying that all of this came about because HPB spoiled the loan deal and because HPB didn't put Emma Coulomb on the board of control when she left.
1: You yep. got to... Just take care of your you scammers. got yeah. to. Take care of your fellow scammers. Yeah. If you really want them, you got to toss them. If you want somebody to keep your secrets, you got to toss them tips. You got to toss them some money. You got to keep them in play. I think that we're looking here a, a solid, a little bit of one, and a little bit of the other. Yeah, uh, As it always is, There's mm-hmm. uh, with, all, with this whole story, where Emma Coulomb, she was massively made bitter by her arrangement with H. B. B. was given the most devastating secrets about her, and it just comes to, to a point where you have somebody who you decided is going to only have a certain amount of money, and you're going, let them, or you're going to let them have a certain amount of money. They're going to decide, well, then maybe I'll just take it. Maybe I'll just take whatever I can. And in the meantime, yep. here's an extra fuck you, because I spent how long dragging my ass to Bombay to work for you and do all of this stuff,
4: and now you're going to tell me to go fuck myself? Mm-hmm. I don't tip a bartender for the service. I don't tip him for the beer. I tip him to keep the secrets. I tell him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she took it. Adv- she didn't. She didn't take advantage of her. She took her for granted. You know, like she totally, yep. completely took Emma Coulomb for granted. You know, and it's arrogance. It's full on arrogance. Where it's like, oh, Emma, Emma's not going to say anything about me. Emma's not going to take me down. It's just Emma. Pure ex- Emma's just said, uh, "Yeah, I'm too powerful." I, Emma's my servant. She does what I need to do. All
1: of this is in the service of the of the masters and in the and in, in the message. It's not about these paltry little tricks. How right. do uh, that's what the Sikhs told me that all of this stuff is paltry tricks. So who gives a fuck if I just make it up? Mm-hmm. I will make it up because in the end, the message is what's supposed to matter. But unfortunately, we live in the real world. I know that, yeah. that we we want to believe that we live in a world of shadows. That uh, that no. None of this is real and that our world is a, a construct of various consciousness, maybe with the all-knowing Venus behind us. But besides that, if that but until you get to there, you could still get your ass fucking sued. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Emma was pretty heavy on the extortion, going back and forth with the board of controls with demands that got ever higher until finally she declared she would take no less than 10,000 rupees for her silence. Meanwhile, back in London, Blavatsky was getting her feet put to the fire by the Society for Psychical Research, who had decided to do a full investigation into the well-known occult figure that Madame Blavatsky now
4: was. Oh my goodness, the smell that must have come with her feet to the (laughs) fire.
0: (laughs) I mean... (laughs) And so, these were the people. So, like these so are the these are the guys that were. Uh, they were the finest occult minds of their time. The finest researchers. This is when you know the paranormal was starting to go into science a little bit, where it's right. starting to be a little bit like, let's look at the paranormal from a scientific perspective and see if we can figure something out. Right. Not necessarily saying like all this stuff is real. Like, let's see what, let's look at this scientifically and see what we can figure out. And Blandin Blavatsky was top on their fucking list. It was like, she makes a lot of claims. A lot of people are making a lot of claims. Let's see what this woman's all about. Hmm. And when Alcott was questioned, he was pretty open about everything. He told him about the masters. He told him about all of his fucking dealings with the masters. He told him about all of her powers. What is he doing?
1: Well, because his whole thing is that to
0: him, it was kind of real. Yeah, He saw all this other
1: shit, so he wasn't really in on the other side, as far as we know. He wasn't a part of all the planning, so Uh, in his mind, he saw a bunch of shit, and he's like, no, I want to tell everybody about the purity of the word,
4: and it was fucking too late, man. She needed he was, her. She needed a Cato Kalen in her corner, and she didn't have one. Well, no, I mean, Alcott. I thought was.
0: I, I think Alcott was doing the right thing. So like, he, was, he was. Oh, a, he
4: believed all he of believed of that was it. true. He
0: believed all it was true. He did not tell them about her fraud. Like he's talking about, like, yeah, you guys, like, if we get the Society for Psychical Research on our side, then we're gonna be in the money, like, at least. Respect wise, like we're going to be like, we're going to get the respect we deserve. People are going to believe us finally. But him being so open pissed Blavatsky off so much that while she was in the middle of berating him around hour four, he said, quote, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to commit suicide? What? She got pretty angry with him.
1: She, she destroyed him. She
4: yeah. went right at him and just ripped him a new one. Just go back and- to your kids. Just go back to New York. <laughs> yeah. Go back and hang out with the kids. See if see if you can apologize a bit. But Blavatsky
0: was also angry with Alfred Sennett because he had gone off on his own and published two books talking about the Masters by name in such a casual way that, in her words, nowadays people call their dogs and cats by the name of Coot Humi.
1: It's a dog's name. It is a, it is a Coot, fun name. Coot. Coot is a dog's name. Get, coot get, get. It, coot. coot. get off, get off her leg. Coot.
4: <laughs> oh, let him you know, finish.
1: <laughs> well, this is, but she—that's where she's a fucking hypocrite. Where she was the one that opened this fucking box to begin with. She started bringing people closer to the masters. They were never supposed to be this close to actual physical reality. They were supposed to say they were supposed to stay like a psychic spiritual
0: projection. hmm But the worst was still to come. After Emma's demands were not met, she made her play and teamed up with some Christian missionaries who were all too willing to help take down Madame Blavatsky.
4: Oh, we're just here spreading the plague, but uh, (laughs) well, what was this? Oh, we have a side quest. Oh, sure.
0: They published an article called The Collapse of Coot Humi, which (laughs) tore Blavatsky to shreds and featured letters allegedly written from Blavatsky to Coulomb outlining How to do each scam, why they did each scam, and who they were scamming. Don't put it in print. Yep.
1: But that's where I think it's horseshit. I don't think that she actually wrote those letters. I think that a lot of those things were fabricated, but I think that they were probably pretty close to what they were planning.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Besides the spirit letters and the occult room scams, it even outlined a scam in which Alexis would place a straw dummy on his shoulders and run by Blavatsky's house so <laughs>
4: Blavatsky could say,
0: Hey, there goes Coot, Coot, go. homie. There you go,
4: go get him, go get <laughs> him. Hey, was, that, was that a guy with, with, with kind of like a scarecrow on top of him? <laughs> no, that's kind of of him. my buddy Coot. That's Hoomy, like a guy that had a bunch of wicker on top and he was kind of running nope. all weird. That's my buddy Coot. <laughs> okay. He's two guys.
0: <laughs> but perhaps the worst revelation from Blavatsky's perspective was a letter absolutely roasting henry Steele alcott for ultimately being a gullible fool since the new york days oh he's, and it fucking broke alcott's heart
4: he's just like a little he's like flounder from a little mermaid he's a good guy <laughs> yeah. he's just trying to find love he's a,
1: he's a good guy he just got fucking he got got
0: yeah without alcott's unwavering support Blavatsky entertained the notion of possibly faking her own death so she could reappear years later when everything had calmed down. But with her health in rapid decline, such shenanigans weren't feasible. She was like, what if I just die? Yeah, what if I really do it? (laughs) And things were looking dire back in India as well. When the occult room cabinet was examined by the TS and a member boldly banged on the back claiming, this is solid, a spring snapped, and the secret panel went flying. <laughs> oh my God! And God, then, then, that's embarrassing. And then they knocked on the wall and realized, oh fuck, someone just plastered over a big fucking hole here. Like last Oh, year. oh shit!
1: shit. <laughs> Not Eddie good. Died. I can feel it. It makes me cringe just like being in the room. It just, just a thing flying open, and that poor guy covered in wood jewelry and you know, like dressed all Indian, like so excited to finally be at the center of theosophy, and then it's like. Gosh, shit! <laughs> God.
4: anytime your your plan gets spoiled by a spring sp- <laughs> popping out, you're like, this is this is comically bad. Now, despite the discovery of the occult room humbug, Blavatsky held on
0: to many of her followers and even gained a few new ones. But this had more to do with the strength of theosophy than the powers of Madame Blavatsky. Theosophy was still a solid philosophy for living your life. You know, it was fun. Sure. However, there were some who went whole hog with Fallener still. When she returned to India to deal with the Coulombs, she brought a man named Charles Ledbetter. And to test his loyalty, she made him carry her full chamber pot <gasps> across the main passenger deck on open seas. And he did it. Yeah, it's like
4: that video game Death Stranding. He had to live it in real life.
0: <laughs> he had to do it.
1: C.W. Ledbetter, he wrote The Astral Plane, which I talked about during Jeff the Talking Mongoose. And um, he went... <laughs> we're still bringing him up. And he went to C.W. Ledbetter, and she kindly called him W.C. Ledbetter.
4: It's
0: <laughs> a bit of bathroom humor for you. <laughs> That's a British
4: bathroom. Oh, that really steams my engines. <laughs>
0: Now, once HPB arrived back in India, she eventually decided to not take legal action against the Coulombs, because that's exactly what the Coulombs wanted.
4: Yeah, the last thing she wants to do is go under oath.
0: Yeah, because if she went to court, they're going to call Coot Humi to the stand.
4: And Blavatsky
0: <laughs> n- didn't want that. You can just Wait see a second, the- is that Ted Danson in a <laughs> turban?
1: <laughs> wow. <that's laughs> oh, amazing. that is highly <laughs> controversial. All the pictures of it, it's like, uh-oh, that's <laughs> not good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, another disappointment came when the Society for Psychical Research published their findings about HPB, saying she was, quote, one of the most accomplished, ingenious, and interesting imposters in history. <gasps> and... Most likely a Russian spy.
4: What? That's They're a Russian spy? <laughs> that's
0: where
1: it fucking kind of went off the rails. Where They, yeah. they, they went after all her scams, but then it turned into a massive thing about how she was a Russian spy, which is the one thing that wasn't true
0: <laughs> about her. Yeah, she didn't have what you'd call the temperament of a spy. No. It discredited the whole thing. Anyone who had five minutes contact with her was like, she's not a fucking spy. You kidding me? Amazingly. In 1986, over 100 years later, the Society for Psychical Research issued a retraction on the Madame Blavatsky story, saying that the investigator way back when had used trivial evidence to condemn HPB, and he had ignored all evidence in her favor. But it's a thing is that the uh, Society for Psychical Research did not have the spirit box evidence. Nor did they have the spirit letter evidence. No, by then they all, By then all those were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, as soon as the spring uh, popped off of the spirit box, they're like, take it out to the edge of town and fucking burn it. Smart fucking idea. Burn it. Get this the
1: fuck out of here. Fix this all this shit. Like, literally I had to go in, redo the ceiling, redo the walls, being like, "This what is just, this shit needs to be locked up. Yeah. The, yeah. Holy shit, guys. <laughs> we need Dick Cheney here. This is bad.
0: Very bad. Yeah. Actually, Blavatsky made peace with the whole debacle. She said that it was better if the masters were made out to be myths, mostly because their names had been desecrated anyway by people like Alfred Sinnett. Mm. It seemed as if Blavatsky was all set to give up and die. But then she claimed that Master Moria appeared to her in the night and gave her a choice. Either die now and rest, or hold on for a few more years to write the secret doctrine.
1: <gasps> cool. We've now, arrived. Arrived. now we're at the secret doctrine. Oh my goodness. And now is when it gets impossible to understand. Yay. We're gonna do
0: our best. We're gonna do our okay. absolute best to try to get through this. And so HPB, whose health was getting steadily worse after returning to India, left forever and landed back in Europe in 1885 to well and truly bear down on what would be her most influential work, for good
4: or ill. Hmm. It's, it's amazing that the most influential work has come so late in her life. Yes,
1: at the yes. end of her life.
4: I actually think that that's kind of appropriate, because
1: yeah. it's a year's worth of her lessons and the stuff that she's absorbed, and now this was what she was been promising.
0: Right, yeah. right. Now, the secret doctrine is, in a word, confusing. Hmm. To give you an idea, here is a short excerpt.
1: Of the seven elements, first one manifested, six concealed, two manifested, five concealed, three manifested, four concealed, four produced, three hidden, four in one fraction revealed, two in one half concealed, six to be manifested, one laid aside. Lastly, seven small wheels revolving, one giving birth
4: to the other. (laughs) It's <laughs> um, uh, funny. It's supposed to be funny. <laughs> uh, hey, ma'am, ma'am. so are the cups at the store? You <laughs> don't no go... get what I'm teaching you. Just... <laughs> You're for this is not still. about the cups. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> well, from what people who edited the book said, it was oh, actually... what a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, they said it was more of a mess than Isis Unveiled was when she first wrote that. It was completely without structure or arrangement. And dealing with her was so awful that her editor literally tore his own hair out in the process. (laughs) The book, which clocked in at two volumes and 1,500 pages, took three years to write, and doctors said that there was absolutely no reason why this woman with Bright's disease, dropsy, a diet of buttered eggs, and the equivalent (laughs) of a -a two-pack-a-day habit should have lived long enough to accomplish it. Spite. Yep, spite. (laughs) Spite. (laughs) And she was not, by reports, pleasant to be around during those three years. She was called disrespectful, contemptuous, paranoid, crude, condescending, angry, vindictive, and abusive by multiple people.
4: She would have been a great podcast host. (laughs) I
0: I think you mean fucking awake. (laughs) I mean fucking awful to be around for friends and family. Yeah, she's a (laughs) bitch. You know, whatever. But even though she was a terror, she still wrote the damn thing. And what we're left with is, at the very least, a highly interesting set of ideas. Some good, some very bad. Okay. But still, those ideas partially influenced the course of the 20th century. Now, critics say that the secret doctrine was plagiarized from somewhere around 20 different works. But, as we said, this is how occult knowledge comes to be. Mm. Many sources are synthesized into one new idea. And that's what Blavatsky was doing. It's an amalgamation.
1: Yes, it's in a repackaging because you have to. We learned about occultism and how to read things occult ways. You you apply lenses to material to Mm. see different aspects of it. But she says it in the intro, straight up. That this is not my original... These are not my original ideas. It is my original sequencing of ideas.
0: Very open about it. Saying that all the major religions all come from a single source. Something that she touched on in ISIS unveiled. Uh, And it comes as no surprise. She says Hinduism and Buddhism, they come the closest to hitting the mark. But Uh every old religion... Is only a chapter of the entire volume, the Universal Esoteric Language, aka the Seven Keys.
4: So there's no cup? It's not <laughs> a
1: cup then. And, S- just go get yourself a goddamn cup from the kitchen. Sir. Oh, that's what
0: I've been asking. And occultism, particularly the secret doctrine, was all those things put together—the full secret, as it were. Ah. Basically, it is the accumulated wisdom of the ages, a record that had been orally passed down through thousands of generations of seers. Blavatsky claimed that she was next in line, except she was the first to think to write it down.
1: Sell it, bro. She learned how to beat. That's where where she's truly
0: American. That's (laughs) great. That's very good. The secret doctrine is really an alternate history of mankind and the origins of the universe, an allegorical and meditative way of explaining both the Big Bang and evolution, while also being a conversation about the evolution of the human soul.
1: Hmm. Well, the birth of the universe is not, it is again, it is a macrocosm of the birth of the individual soul. Mm -hmm. All of this, it explains again and again, it's as above, so below, but for 1,500 pages or 700 of those 1,500 pages.
4: I, I'll say that. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's safe to say she's taking works from others and putting them down on paper, very similar to what Robbie Robertson did with the band. It's all Levon Helm. <laughs> all those stories are Levon stories. Yep. But Robbie wrote them down, and that's why he got all the money. Made them into song. Now, as far as the Origins
0: of the Universe part goes, it's pretty much incomprehensible. Great. But at the same time, it's also written in such a way. It makes everything sound fantastically important. Everything. Here's another example, talking about, I think, the starting point of consciousness. I think that's what this is about. It is the root that never dies, the three-tongued
1: flame of the four wicks. The wicks are the sparks that draw from the three-tongued flame shot out by the seven, their flame, the beams and sparks of one moon reflected in the running waves of all the rivers of the earth. It sounds cool. And that, folks, is it's, how yeah. you make a
4: pipe bomb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the, she talks about, I mean, the, the eternal spark is a thing that comes up quite a bit. They're all synthesized from a group of essentially fake books yeah. called the, the, the Dizon stanzas that she called. That, that was the tome of the ancients that she was transcribing, which also was a fake version of. Of her talking about her getting her hands on a hold of a bunch of old books about esoteric Buddhism right. and bringing them into modern times. But she also, yeah, she made up all the shit. She made up the language it was in. It was all, there was a lot of fakery inside of it. Yeah. But you
4: know, it's, al- it's also genius in the spiritual world. I was forced to read the Bible growing up and it, it's not that far off yeah. it has to be sort of wide strokes it's it's supposed to be interpretive and I mean the Bible is basically just an ancestry.com um <laughs> it's just telling who is related to who half the goddamn time uh-huh. but that, I mean it's not that off base it's, I mean honestly really- what are what are the wicks what are the candles I can see someone overthinking it mm-hmm. you can waste a lot of time doing that.
0: And to possibly extrapolate upon the wicks and the sparks and the 3 tongue flame, or at the very least, give it a good go, Henry is now going to tell us what he's learned about the origins of the universe from the secret doctrine over the last month.
1: Perfect. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Well, the problem is that I began to, I got the secret doctrine first, right? I bought the unabridged, hardcore secret doctrine. They they even say, you know, like, I was like, I'm going to try to understand. Impossible to understand. I then got an annotated book of The Secret Doctrine. If you want to read it, you should, you, honestly, y'all should go ahead and check it out. It is very, very interesting, called The Secret Doctrine, H.P. Blavatsky, but it's abridged and annotated by Michael Gomez who, if you look him up on YouTube, has some great lectures as to how to understand the secret doctrine. There's several people Hmm. that come out and try to talk about it because the first thing that they say, as you begin to read, they're like, don't even try to just read the secret doctrine. You'll never understand it. That's not what you're supposed to do with it. And you're like, what? But it's a book. (laughs) And they're like, no, you see? But you need a teacher. You need a guide. And that each section can take years to begin to wrap your mind around. Right? Very, very difficult. And so, one thing that I did pick up, what they basically say, one thing I will point you towards is that I'm not even going to attempt to describe what half this shit is. Are you going to get in a I... Faux Hat? What?
0: <laughs> faux Hat, the creative spark of the universe. Oh, no, I, I
4: love Faux started, Hat. We get I started, mean, Faux song, Hat. Slow ride. <laughs> <laughs> faux
1: <laughs> Hat's too far advanced. It's too far advanced. You'll go mad. What they t- basically said <laughs> is that if you can spend straight up two years reading the intro what? to the secret doctrine, you could maybe start to understand it. The original intro is a thing called the proem, right? Which is a five-page, just sort of like Madame Lovatsky talking as H.P.B. saying, "Like, okay, here you go. I fucking I didn't make this shit up. I I applied old school." works to now I am fully bridging the gap between science philosophy and religion and this is it this is how we're doing it but y'all can't even understand my shit unless you even begin the very first three fundamental principles of what the secret doctrine is okay. number one that it came from this book called the book of daizan which is completely made up right <laughs> okay <laughs> number one but she said that's not the point it's a point is what she called it right she called it the book of daizan but the main thing she says all right so number one there needs to be, you need an UN first, before you can even begin to read, even buy the secret doctrine. You have to understand that there's an omnipresent, eternal, boundless, and immutable principle on which all speculation is impossible, since it transcends the power of human conception and can only be dwarfed by any human expression or similitude. Starts off saying you can't even understand it. Okay. But what they're saying is is that there is the Das program of all life, which is sort of also lifted from Kabbalah, which is the infinite, eternal, Cause, the beginning, simply formulated, what they say, dimly formulated in the unconscious and unknowable of current European philosophy. It is the rootless root of all that was,
0: is, or shall ever be. So it's a rootless root rootless, essentially saying that the creator god is we don't you cannot know where the creator god comes from. It is unknowable by human comprehension. I take your word for it, but you didn't read it for
4: two years straight. So <laughs> I you don't know never, who to trust. neither one
1: of us did. It is truly <laughs> in the true meaning of the term unknowable. You literally cannot, we physically cannot understand what it means. For the whatever that backdrop, the dark backdrop behind all reality, which is what they, she calls the eternal beingness, the symbolized in the, which is symbolized in the secret doctrine under two things, which is this concept of abstract motion and unconditioned consciousness, where there is consciousness is everywhere and always, it's in the background, right? Uh-huh. And that what happens is is that our brains and our personalities are sparks that come out of which is this 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 motion, the motion of life. And they said that within the infinite area of this unknowable God force, not even uh, think, I can't. i the vein,
4: the vein that goes through your Ugh. face is starting to really <laughs> pop out here. I, we can't have you die, but in order for something, so people will say, eh,
1: "Hey, something come from nothing, get you flapdoodle." I'll tell you. I tell you what, I fucking what you can say for that. In order for something to be truly infinite, it must hold within it the ability for it to create these life forms and do things, right? Because then, because if it doesn't, it's not truly infinite, is it, Kissel? I am
4: not even exaggerating. Marcus, attest to his veins are popping. You can see the blood in his body. He's like, we got to go work to the brain. <laughs> He's trying, trying to, 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 think to think about dis- Blavatsky. We got to get to the brain <laughs> so the ASAP. This the closest
1: I got. I've been rereading the same five pages for several days now yeah. to try to fold it back in. All right. The next thing that you have to understand, even begin to understand, before you can even try to read the secret doctrine, is the eternity of the universe in total, as a boundless plane, periodically the playground of numberless universes incessantly manifesting and disappearing, called the manifesting stars and the sparks of eternity. Basically saying universes are as impermanent as we are. They pop up and they go away. All the time. We're constantly in a state of ebb and flow. Things rise and fall. Always. There's always a beginning and there's always an end. But those beginnings and ends, are, they're infinite. And they happen again and again and again. So you right. say beginning and ends. And on our time period, we we are born and then we die. That's to us, our, the entire universe Imagine that but the entire universe is doing it again and again and again and again. I
0: get that. Time it, time is a flat circle. I've heard that before. Yeah.
2: No,
1: I understand <laughs> that. That's very good. And that the other thing is that the number 3, the fundamental identity of all souls within the universe or universal oversoul, the latter being an aspect of the unknown root is that we all come from one big happy sky family in the sky that doesn't exist. It is the we come from the be ness. And that's where that is the the final that's like uh,
3: that's uh, the, pl- that's well, the place I, you want to be. I, I, I think
0: part of what it is is that, you know, like talking about the unknowable and all that. You know, a part of this is start is trying to explain like the Big Bang. What came before the Big Bang? What was there before the Big Bang? I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody can ever know what came before the Big Bang. It is unknowable by definition to know what came before. What was it when there was nothing? Was there something or was there nothing? Or is nothing nothing? You know, that's the thing. Is nothing nothing? If nothing is nothing, then is nothing also something? Time's
4: illusion, bro. So this, the unknown known... Similar to what Donald Rumsfeld uh, said for to explain his war crimes. No, <laughs>
1: yes. Well, there are known knowns and unknown
4: unknowns. It's
1: it's under it's one sort of explanation of kind of like the the Kabbalah creation story, but also this this idea that like the Beinust, this unknowable God, that this yeah. unknowable force, whatever the hell it is. They, I'm not even going to say force. It's like we are all in it and, and and it's behind us and it's in front of us at all times all the bullshit like that we are like that we come from the same stuff and have the same abilities to create and uh, and destroy and and just
4: be uh, you know I actually I mean I think it makes more sense than xenu <laughs> I, I think it's I think it makes it's more easy to understand than Scientology's
0: bizarre that's it is the first spy- than scientology it's
1: legitimately the first five pages. Yeah. And so that is the rest of it. That's the first. So the first half, right? That's the first chunk, which is what they call it, is the cosmogenesis, which is the, explan- it's, uh, the stanzas and her descri- uh, s- describing the stanzas and her explaining the stanzas, saying how this ancient knowledge is what's spelling out the in the long form the very beginning of the, the idea, the concept of an
4: unknowable universe. All right. Yeah. I think we've got... A, a taste of it, for sure.
0: It's definitely a taste of it. And the difference between, like, this and, say, Scientology, you know, another religion that has a nonsense sort of a book to it, you know, Dianetics, all that shit. Uh, the reason why Dianetics doesn't make any sense is because L. Ron Hubbard wanted you to keep paying so you could eventually understand it. It's dangling knowledge in front of you, right. and it just keeps pulling away from you. It's like, well, if you get if you get to the next level, then you'll understand it. And if you get to the next level, then you'll and then the, but it's, the levels never end. Well, With Madame Blavatsky, there is no levels. Theosophy was not a money making scheme. It was not a money making venture. Right. No, <laughs> it was a
1: money losing scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: it was not a scheme at all. Like it was real. Or at least it was legit. All right.
1: But unlike Dianetics, which is an esoteric work, honestly, it's a modern esoteric work, which yes. requires deciphering, and that's the whole point of it, right? That you pay for a secret school. L L R H made money off the secret school concept, where HPB is using this and saying, someone's going to need to explain this to you. But in my mind, from what I was reading from the secret doctrine, it's one of the beginnings of it, especially the first third of it, Unlike Dianetics, the longer you read it, the smarter you get. Where Dianetics, the more I was reading it, the less good I was getting at like everything in my life.
4: That's great. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Yeah, because it was like HBB was say, was saying like somebody's gonna have to explain this to you, and then you'd ask her, "Well, who's gonna explain it to you, to me?" And you, she could, I don't. Know. Unless but you I guys want to be complicit,
4: know, unless you guys want to be complicit in like fifty suicides, we have to move on <laughs> <laughs> because I am I am ready. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I am confused. I am like, I get (laughs) it. I don't get it. I feel like I'm aging faster.
1: I don't know what's going on. I want to compliment Kissel on his patience. Uh, Because he did very
0: good. He sat and listened. (laughs) So now that we've got the origins of the universe covered, at least the best we can, let's move on to what the secret doctrine is best known for the root races. Uh, dude, we're like a third of the way through this. No,
1: I am well aware. <laughs> no, I know, dude. This is where again this is where it gets controversial. Yes,
0: this, this is where, where it gets very controversial.
4: Push put put it on the mm. gas.
0: And despite how it sounds, this idea does not necessarily have to do with race as we think of it, at least not entirely. Blavatsky mostly uses the term race to mean something closer to evolutionary levels, like if we were to refer to Australopithecus afarensis and other pre-human species as previous races to our current existence as homo sapiens. Got it? Got it. Yep. See, when Blavatsky is using the term root, she's saying that humanity, as it is now, is not in its final form. We are currently, and have always been, growing into our ultimate state, and hence, life is still in the root phase. Hmm. From what she writes, there have been five root races on earth already, with seven sub-root races in each iteration, and ultimately seven root races will have to exist before we reach what I think is ethereal godhood. That's where it gets very close to weird
1: esoteric Mormonism and Gnosticism, Mm -hmm. where she, this idea that we are, she is trying to combine the very new uh, evolutionary theory from Darwin at the time into spirituality. So she's trying to talk about how as we evolve, things will evolve and we're supposed to be evolving towards what the universe at its peak would allow us to do, which is ultimate creative power for any and all total peace, total oneness, anything at your feet at your fingertips. But it doesn't even matter because you don't even got fingertips at that point.
0: No, Mm -hmm. no. And at the same time that the root races are growing and changing, though, the Earth is going through what she calls rounds, and there will be seven of those as well. The first three rounds materialized the Earth into physical being through what Gary Lockman calls cosmic condensation. Cool. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> then the fourth round crystallized it, you know, made the Earth hard. And sure. the last three... Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
4: the moon shorted its movies.
0: And the last three rounds are taking us back to ethereal form, having gone through the necessary evolution to reach that state. Essentially, from how I understand it, humanity has to be ethereal, then physical before we can become a combination of both. So we're not the combo yet. We're not the combo yet, exactly. We're not ethereal, but we do have the consciousness and intelligence.
4: But yeah, we did put pizza on a bagel. <laughs> so and you then you can have, have pizza at any time. time. Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> How, but, I, we all but, know this. <laughs> we all know this. That's science. That's just
1: science. What she was kind of also referring to is that, because there's a lot of karmic wheel shit here, so mm-hmm. you supposed to, we were supposed to, as a species learn a certain amount of lessons as just ethereal bodies, right? And then we learn those lessons, according to her, we did, and evolved to acquire bodies, which is what they talk about, like the idea that each one of our personalities was made willfully. We have to go through a, a many layers of reality to become physical creatures, and then now we're supposed to be learning lessons about physical nature, mm. about the idea of attachment, of desire, all of these things. And then once we shit all those out, Then we could start to become ethereal again. So Mm -hmm. we have to
4: shit out the desire and attachment. Yeah. And then we become ethereal. Yeah. I got it. (laughs) During each round, a different
0: race is created to reach the ultimate goal of being ethereal. The first root race, created by electric fire. (laughs) (laughs)
4: That's why. I want to be part of that one. Maybe that's why I have red hair.
0: (laughs) Well, they were ethereal, but... They did not have intelligence as we know it. Hmm. And they lived in what she called the imperishable sacred land until it ultimately perished. Well then,
4: okay, I'm not, <laughs> doing,
0: I'm not doing that. <laughs> yep. The next race, the Hyperboreans, or Hyperboreans, depending on how you want to fucking say it. Depends yeah, what kind what of fucking asshole? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they lived close to the North Pole back when the Earth's axis was slanted differently, so the whole planet was a tropical climate. But since the Hyperboreans were also ethereal, climate didn't really matter much.
4: Mm-mm. Ooh, that seems like a Margaritaville to me. <laughs> I, don't really, I don't want to be a fire person anymore. It's
1: important to remember, you
0: don't sweat if you're a ghost. <laughs> That's a good point. Now, the first two races being nothing more than the kinds of astral shells Blavatsky said spiritualists were communicating with, they were asexual and reproduced through periodic spiritual rejuvenation. But with the third root race, things got physical. Mm. (laughs) They began as jelly-like creatures who who reproduced through spores, which would grow into copies of the one who produced it, Mm. what Blavatsky calls the sweatborn.
1: I think that that's actually, uh, that's Holden McNeely's Skyrim name. (laughs)
4: yes it might be of course check out page 7 in Wizard and the Bruiser
0: well, sweating out offspring gave way to laying eggs. Eggs. Sucks.
4: <laughs> eggs. Oh, it would have been Edith Massey's 93rd birthday a couple of days ago.
0: Oh, happy birthday, Edith Massey. She is dead. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Who gives a shit? Somebody messaged me. That person <laughs> gave a
0: crap. Well, the offspring that gave way to laying eggs, that was a subroot race Blavatsky called the Eggborn. And it was with the Eggborn that speech first developed. From there, the third root race became.
1: Giants.
0: Whoa, yay, yay. That's Lemurians! Yay. Yeah, uh, I'm resi- Henry
1: Zabrowski of the Eggborn. <laughs> <That's very
0: exciting. laughs> yeah, they all resided in the continent of Lemur- Lemuria. Cool you know, which we fully covered on a previous episode. Yes. According to Blavatsky, Lemuria became Australia and Easter Island. And the gigantic stone heads on Easter Island are representations of the giant subrace of the third root race. That was
4: just them setting up bocce ball. <laughs>
0: See, each root race has seven sub-races, and each sub-race has to evolve to the next level before the following root race can take hold. Oh. With the Lemurians, they began as jelly, but evolved into men and women with a third eye on the back of their head that they used for telepathic communication. That I think it's fucking dope. <laughs>
1: very uncomfortable. How do you sleep? Well, you could look at this direly, literally, or you could look at this allegorically. You could mm-hmm. say that there were a bunch of people rolling around right there were they turn into people like with third eyes at the back of their heads or like circle people which they talked about for quite a bit like people that would literally roll <laughs> and then they would be divided in half and that's how love was created right which just comes from an angry inch or oh. you can or you believe all of this is allegorical and this is just about things that the lessons that we picked up as we went away right as we go what are the lessons does the human species learn
0: Sure. Now, from what Blavatsky wrote, the physical formation of humans as we appear today occurred about 18 million years ago on Lemuria. And after Lemuria was destroyed by fire, its successor rose and became Atlantis.
1: Yay! Okay, (laughs) all right.
4: So theory here... People Uh, of Atlantis. Lemurians, the Mm -hmm. tall giants, they try to piss out the fire. They don't realize how much piss is inside of them, like when you're trying to pee in the car and it fills the Gatorade bottle too quickly (laughs) because you don't realize how much you actually pee. Uh huh. Atlantis is nothing but giant urine,
1: dude. If this was like a thousand years ago, you'd be a like Native American witch doctor. Like that would be like a story that you told that everyone be like, "Oh, I cannot wait until the urine floods come again, and then we we can rise." No, the, this is it, the Atlanteans. Atlantis. I watched a good documentary when they were looking for it, like right outside of um the the Stone of Gibraltar, uh, in uh outside of Spain, and they went looking for Atlantis, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and? They did not find it. They
4: did not find it. <laughs> nope.
0: No, when Atlantis first popped out of the ocean about 850,000 years ago, humans were still gigantic, Okay. which Blavatsky said explained the pyramids in Stonehenge. But once Atlanteans got to be between 6 and 7 feet on average, they mastered both mechanical flight and electricity. The Atlanteans were highly developed. They also had the psychic powers that were present in the Lemurians. But after the Atlanteans dabbled in black magic... Atlantis sunk and the remaining Atlanteans settled in Egypt and the Americas
4: ah it wasn't underwater the whole time
0: not the no 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 it's <laughs>
4: no it's not like Aquaman <laughs> ah, okay
0: no
1: but they also black magic was possibly code for nuclear weapons and that they blew themselves into oblivion but mm. there's not a, there's just like not a lot of proof.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank God we're never going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> there's No way that's uh, yeah. going to happen to us. Boy, yeah. No way. We Ever- certainly
1: have more sense than that. Yep. Our leader is in responsible
4: are, hands. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. We
0: also lost our psychic powers because the Atlanteans had degenerated into phallicism and sexual worship of their own bodies, and their preoccupation with the flesh is what lost us our telepathic third eye.
4: Uh, I'm fine with it. Just for aesthetics, <laughs> I don't need yeah. the eye in the back of my head. Yeah, it'd be cool, I guess. Uh, you have well, to sleep not, on your side.
0: Well, no, the eye in the back of your head, is all. it's not necessarily like an actual eye that you see through. That's the eye that you telepathically telepathically communicate with. <sighs> so it's
4: with. not like Kathy Segal in, in, in Futurama? No. It's no. not her character? It's not a that, cyclops. No. Well, there
0: were cyclopses at one point, but...
4: When are they gonna they be brought up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, They still got two eyes in the front of their head, but they've also got the third eye in the back of their head.
4: You know what, man? I'm just so happy now that you have self parking cars. When it's, you're trying to, it's symbolic. Yes. Oh, I see. I get it now. Hmm.
0: However, Atlantis was not destroyed because of their depravity or because they had become deeply sinful. Rather, it was destroyed because it was simply their turn. They had evolved to the end of their round. And so Atlantis had to go.
4: Well, that's not a good message. Then you can do whatever you want if it's just about being Ebbs and done. flows.
1: Yeah, dude, that ebbs and flows. Things come and go. Civilizations rise and fall. We are supposed to learn a certain set of lessons. Expiration date comes up. Sometimes you just sink into the fucking ocean.
4: Yeah, how you doing at Civ Five? By the way, you still playing?
1: <laughs> I'm playing Civ Six. Well, I, I've been moved. I moved to platform gaming. We're gonna get into this. I can't. I can't do this right now. All right.
0: <laughs> but as each round went, man developed. In the first two and a half rounds, man was said to be an animal intellectually. But midway through the third, we developed human intelligence. It was physical being first, then human intelligence. We developed even further for the fourth round, and finally, the stage was set for the fifth and current race, of which we are all a part of. That is the infamously named Aryan race. Yay! (laughs) All right. (laughs) And here's where things have gotten a wee bit muddled over the years. Okay. Now when we hear the word Aryan, we usually think of two things, white supremacy and Nazis. But that wasn't at all what Blavatsky was trying to say. Really, all Blavatsky was saying was that the Aryans were the current iteration of mankind, and more specifically, we're all a part of the fifth sub race of the Aryan race. But it, again, Aryan doesn't necessarily mean better. It just simply means next.
4: But how are we better now without uh the third eye? I
0: just told you. It's uh, it's not necessarily better
1: But it's so just it's just next, it's
4: just okay, it's, it's just next. These so are this the is lessons, not in order. Yeah. These, these are, are is, the lessons
1: we need to learn now. They use they, they used the third eye for the lessons that they were supposed to learn ah, then. Now okay. we have bush hair. And we're supposed oh. to learn something with those lessons. I'm not certain what the difference is between yeah. the Aryans, but the Aryans look like us. And we're supposed to learn how to live. I think in my mind, it's almost like telepathy. And they talk a little bit about this. It used to be, it, certain people who write about consciousness. is That early man used to be more telepathic, right? We used to talk with each other more often with either something like instinct in our brains. And also our brains were bicameral. So at some point, our subconscious and our conscious were literally separate. And so where maybe one of the concepts of God came from is that when we thought of things, we literally might, they don't know for sure, but we might have heard an actual voice coming inside of our brain as if we were talking to someone else, right? The man, and then the over man time, with two the t- brains. Yes, but at some point those things came together. So what if we're not supposed to be directly telepathic anymore, but we're supposed to learn how to have empathy and understanding without being necessarily mentally connected to each other but to be able to just intellectually understand that we are all one being and that we should be able to get along just because i and i don't have to do it just because i can know when kissel has to shit before he has to shit <laughs> all
4: right
0: well Bovatsky said that the sixth subroot race would take hold here in america and current theosophists have an interesting theory about this from what theosophists like Michael Gomez say, Blavatsky was alluding to the melting pot of America. Essentially, America being the place where every nationality and creed and race and religion are all gathered, America will become a massive fuck pot that creates a new race, the American race, ah. the sixth sub-race. And they'll be very
1: beautiful. You get mm-hmm. everybody together and get all the different best bits from everybody put on top. There be coupled with all the worst bits of everybody, but that's just people like me, where I got all the recessive genes from my father, and Jackie
0: got all the good
4: genes. Well, I am <laughs> never going to call it a melting pot again. It's a fuck pot. It's folks. a fuck, it's pot. A fuck pot. America is a fuck pot.
0: Yeah, and considering how just a hundred years ago, like the Irish, the English, the Italians, the Germans, the French, they were all divided amongst strict social lines. Yeah. Today we're all just white. You know, there, there's, no, there's no lines anymore, at least in that respect. In so, that um, respect. In that respect. We'll
4: say work in progress. Work in progress. Work, work in, in, progress. in progress. A lot of work to do. But.
0: Now, admittedly, Blavatsky did have some dumb shit 1880s opinions about race as we think of it. But she also wrote that dividing humanity into superior and inferior races was a fallacy, saying further that if the whole of Europe were to be destroyed in 1881... Any race could and would replace the whites. She, she also, the theosophical, the theosophical Society was specifically open
1: to everyone. That was the ideas. They wanted a diverse group in there.
0: Well, the, you know, the first command of theosophy is to form the nucleus of a universal brotherhood of humanity without distinction of race, creed, sex, caste, or color. Can't really get any clearer than that.
4: Mm-hmm. They will judge you by your feet, though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they will. Essentially, I think Blavatsky was trying to have it both ways. Just like she was trying to have it both ways by talking shit about women in the Mahatma letters while also entrusting the Theosophical Society, her occult baby, to women.
4: She was trying to have her cake in to eat it, too. Well, <laughs> now you're it. forced exactly. to say it. Yeah, now you get it. Yeah.
0: Blavatsky also wrote, that it will be the american race all the colors mixed together that takes humanity to the next level of consciousness even if most of us are killed in a cataclysm like the lemurians and the atlanteans were But well, then we're supposed to aren't we
1: if it does happen that's how it was supposed to go anyway which is you know kind of a fatalistic view about it but you also have
0: to imagine that nothing's real anyway but not to worry because from what Blavatsky wrote, it'll still be 25,000 years until the sixth sub-race turns over to the seventh, at which time we will destroy Europe and the entire Aryan race with it. It's not wow. that far off. <laughs> yeah, 25,000 so gotta... years, isn't that? Like, I can see it.
1: I can see yeah. it. Like, yeah. We're not going to see it. But I can see it. I can think about it like that. But I yeah. also wonder, at some level, man, oh, man, we got to do this for another 24 thousand years yeah we got
4: a long time no we got to do it 24,900 I don't know if the American experiment
1: is going to make it to the year fucking
0: 26,000 well it's gonna have to (laughs) well as far as what comes after that Blavatsky is pretty vague because after all it hasn't happened yet and the secret doctrine is an accumulation of wisdom already passed down with just a small peek into the end of our own current race but she believed that once the seven keys open the mysteries of the past and the future, her teachings will finally be accepted because she had no illusions that the secret doctrine would be accepted in its time.
4: Hmm. Much like Susie Orman, she was always ahead of her time. Financial liberation for women. Who's Susie Orman? Susie Orman? Susan Orman. No, it's Susie Orman. She... It's not Susan or- It's You guys don't... Who's... She's a, <laughs> she's a financial guru.
1: <laughs> this is... It's so funny to have... the. Kissel knows a financial guru author. He owns a recliner, an iPhone 7. He owns an 80 uh, inch television. Two.
4: Two 80 inch televisions.
1: Um, and two. I think you have two separate PS4s,
4: right? You can take the boy out of the trash, but you can't take the trash out of the boy. Ugh.
0: Why is the boy in the trash?
1: I don't
4: know. It's fun in there.
0: As far as the Nazis go, part of the reason why they were so obsessed with Tibet and the swastika, which is a Buddhist symbol, was because Blavatsky has said that the Aryan race had its origins in East Asia. But the Nazis were working on off a perversion of the word Aryan that had been put forth by occultists Guido von List and Jörg Lanz von Liebenfeld.
4: Of course, the guy's a race. His name is a racial slur.
0: <laughs> and they took the word and vague notion and created Ariosophy, which certainly is white supremacist doctrine. However, considering what we know about her, I think it's safe to say that Blavatsky would have rejected Ariosophic and especially Nazi ideas wholesale. If she hadn't been long dead by the time they gained popularity. She'd been well, I
4: mean, dead for like 30 years. She would be fighting with us anyway. She would be with the with the Brits, right? Yeah. She'd or be the Russians the or America <laughs> either way she would not be pro-Nazi no
1: I would pray I would pr- imagine that she would have been up for being killed by the Nazis I imagine that she'd be the type of person that would end up in a concentration camp at yeah. some point
0: and Madame Blavatsky did die not too long after the secret doctrine was published during a particularly bad influenza season in 1891 and her last words were appropriately enigmatic she said Quote, keep the link unbroken. Do not let my last incarnation
1: be a failure. Last incarnation. (laughs)
3: There's a
1: fucking cop in my pussy still. Yo, (laughs) but I gotta say, dude,
4: those are some pretty solid ass last words. That's not easy. That's the final word. Dude, that's hard and she nailed it. Those are very, very good last words. Great last words. Yes. Yes.
0: Following her death, the dominant personalities in Theosophy were Annie Besant and Charles Ledbetter, who, despite his admitted taste for teenage boys, still <laughs> had some fascinating things to say about the astral plane. <laughs> admitted taste
4: for teenage boys—that's how you want to phrase. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I have you know a I taste haven't. for teenage. Or you're like a
1: Somali. My one it? thing about a teenage boys—I get them. Like I'm like, mm, what's the top notes? Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I'm more
4: interested in what are the bottom notes. Oh, my goodness.
0: Well, Ledbetter's descriptions of radiating vibrations and floating forms, which were influenced by Blavatsky, inspired Wassily Kandinsky, the first abstract artist. However... It's it's a very abstract name. It's a very... Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) However, Ledbetter was kicked out of the Theosophical Society in 1906 for giving private masturbation lessons... To young boys. Hey, right. man, who's going to teach these
1: kids? <laughs> you know? but that's, My father you, didn't teach me a lot of stuff.
4: You know? Yeah, some things I you don't need to I learned that masturbation
1: from the encyclopedia. would incredible to have learned it from an elder author.
4: I you don't know? think so. All right. So he's a, he is a real spacey. Yeah. I like so.
1: how we got to the very end. We got to the very end of this whole fucking thing. It's just CW Lead Bitter. Given private masturbation <laughs> lessons Right, jump. yeah, that's
4: very, very bizarre. Okay. Also, you cannot give a, masturbation is alone. You need to be alone. I mean, you can't do it with a partner, I suppose, but that's dual masturbation.
0: Now, Blavatsky's ideas of masters <laughs> were further honed by Annie Besant, and the idea of ascended masters was later taken up by Alistair Crowley, Ooh. who will one day get a proper series all of his own when we further map just how occultism shaped the 20th century and beyond.
1: and beyond and
4: beyond
0: this is like the first part this is like the first thing well let's to not understand. scare the audience Madam blavatsky <laughs> it'll be like Borks next three, year when next, we next, do next like year we'll Elsa do it
4: Proud. though yeah it's i coming. love it it's I coming love yeah. it. thank you all so much for listening to our madame blavatsky series really awesome great job yeah. Uh, super interesting, man. Thanks to Joe and Rachel for all their help on research as well. What a life lived. It's amazing that she, what, she died in mid fifties? Uh, early sixties. She did a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. She did a lot of
1: shit. She changed a lot of stuff for good and for bad. She, she is a mixed bag of a human being. Very, very complicated, just like the subject matter. And then uh, constantly left with the question, where is the line between magician and con man? That's kind of up to you. And what you get out of it. The HPB always said it's all about whatever her lessons were, whatever the back door, whatever the, the, the concepts that she was selling. And it did help a lot of people. And one little coda is that right before Annie, right before she died, Annie Besant, in her, like, because Annie Besant was the chosen successor of HPB. So she was like grooming her to be the next her. And at some point, as HBB was like dying in bed, Annie Besant was like, I just, I wanna see the raps. I want to see the knocks. Like, I want to see all the stuff that you've talked about you did for years. And she's like, I'll show you. And grabbed her by the shoulders. And she said she felt the knocks rack her whole body, which is kind of sexy, right? It's kind of weird. Yeah. Right? It was a zap her whole body with it. And so there was just this, like, last little peek of the magic right. still inside of HPB just lodged in her gut. Near a patch of butter and eggs.
4: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I would describe it as sexy. It's a woman in hospice shaking another woman of a certain <laughs> age, but indeed, <laughs> very good. Thank you all so much for listening. uh Let's see here. What do we got to talk about? We have got to tell you about our new merch last podcast, Merch Debt Chem. Uh, check it out. And we're always looking for designs. You all are so freaking talented. Feel free to shoot those our way. You can tag us on Instagram. I'm, I look at that all the time. Uh, side stories, LPOTL at gmail.com. If you have a cool design, please share it with us. It's very possible. It becomes a t-shirt. And uh, we have our live show. It's still out there. Lastpodcastlive.com. Get that if you want to spend an hour and 45 minutes laughing with the boys. Laughing with the boys. Yeah. The other
1: thing tom neely is selling originals of his drawings for last book on the left if you go to the website is laluzdejesus.com which You're is have L-A- to spell that. <laughs> l-a-l-u-z-d-e-j-e-s-u-s.com he is selling some originals from last book on the left so you should check those out they're so cool to see it and they're very big
4: Hell yeah, absolutely. And thanks for supporting all the shows here on uh, on the LPN network, Abling Top Pad. We have a lot to talk about. Uh it's political. Uh page seven, all the entertainment news you need, whiz brew, you love video games, you'll love that show. Kind of fun wrestling, and of course no dogs in space a great music show here on the last podcast network and of course, multiple other shows. So thank you all so much for supporting the network. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're uh, on no dogs. We're right in the middle of our series on the misfits. So if you want to know all about that shit, go on over and listen. It's a hell of a story. It's a, it's a, it's a different story from what I think a lot of people expect. Cool. And now we can maybe do our best share
1: every share with people that you know every day that we live in a goop. Yeah that hey. ain't real, that we can change. You can change for yourself. You can change the way other people view you. Sometimes, yeah, you might have to trick them a little bit, but in the end, it all works out because a smile is free. Ain't a Kissel? Unless you're getting a hand job from a sex worker that sometimes it costs $25. Yeah,
4: 25 to 35 depending on the hand. All <laughs> right, thank you all so much for listening. Never forget, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Oh, hail Geed. Magoostalations, everyone. Help
1: me. Help me, I got, I got, my taint
4: hurts. Oh, yeah, no mm-hmm. kidding. I think we got, I think that means we figured it all out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is,
0: I don't want my problems to burden anyone.
4: Or you say,
2: Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak
0: then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.
4: I was shocked, you know. They were always such a good team. So successful. But to do something like that? To exceed their budget?